0: This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Now take
1: on this. You know, I'm something of a scientist
0: myself.
2: It's just the risk. It's just all on the wrist, buddy. All these souls, lost
0: and alone, I can save them. I can cure them.
2: What's happening? Come on, Peter we are using made-up names.
3: IMPRESSIVE! The power of the sun... ...in the palm of my hand. Hey, you're not a nobody. You're somebody. I'm Electro.
4: I'm Spider-Man.
3: I'm Spider-Man. I'm Spider-Man
0: starting to come through but i
4: can't stop them. what's going on everyone welcome back to a brand new episode of assembly required an mcu retrospective the show where we reassemble the mcu piece by piece movie by movie episode by episode i am your host eduardo and we have a treat for you an episode i think the fans have been have been long awaiting and we have got the full crew that's right The full crew here to talk all about Spider-Man No Way Home. Chris is here. Chris, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well. How are you? I
4: am fantastic. Thank you for asking. Peaches, what's going on, buddy? I am here, and I'm
2: excited.
4: Yay. We've also got, making his triumphant return,
1: Robbie. Hey, everybody. (laughs) A little full from all those burgers, but I'm doing well. Yeah.
2: Nice, dude. (laughs) What a niche very hard to understand without context what, what a great callback call forward uh, callback
1: and yet i'm willing to bet that at some point almost every listener to this episode will understand the reference
2: maybe quizás yeah.
4: quizás so today like i said we're talking all about spider-man no way home and this is an important one for us because we haven't just talked about uh the marvel s- cinematic the mcu spider-man movies we have talked about Every Spider-Man movie that has ever come out. For just in case this movie was what we thought it would be, which it was. And it exactly was. So uh, good for us. Nailed it. (laughs) Way to go for uh, forethought with the assembly required. I know. Look at us go. It almost looks like we know what we're doing. Like I said, today we're going to be discussing Spider-Man No Way Home, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, and it's directed by, once again, John Watts.
2: Watts? (laughs) <laughs> they want you to
4: take the roles. they want you to take the roles, and we have a real special <laughs> treat for the synopsis this week because it was written by our very own assembly required contributor robbie whoa hey, hey. i was about to wow. thank rachel not no, rachel this time not rachel this time we still love you rachel rachel gets a break no she needs it
2: we do love you rachel
4: We start moments after the ending of Far From Home with J. Jonah Jameson revealing Spider-Man's identity, Peter Parker, to the world. Peter and MJ attempt to escape an immediate crush of media attention and end up at Peter's apartment, just as Aunt May is breaking up with Happy Hogan.
3: Awkward.
2: This
4: is such a funny scene with him and, Mm -hmm. uh, you
2: know.
3: Dude, dude,
0: dude, dude,
2: dude. I I don't know if it's just because of the comedic timing or the rushed way that the actors are acting in this scene. But it just feels so much different from the rest of the movie. And I don't know. It's not really a gripe. It's not a pro. It's not a con. It's just like this scene in the movie feels like it's like shot differently. Maybe different. I don't know. Something about it.
1: It's almost like the start of this movie was still a little bit of that borderline high school dramedy of the first two. And then it gets broken out of that. It feels
2: like like it is a three-minute clip and then a two-hour movie right
1: yeah
3: it ties so closely with the ending of far from home mm-hmm. it, that it almost feels like part of that movie still yeah yeah
1: and yeah. this movie the ramifications of far from home are important to the plot for this movie but it still breaks away from feeling like far from home pretty quickly after the start yeah.
4: news shoppers find peter's apartment anyway they all end up on the news and are then taken into custody by the fpi the Fed's attempt to level charges for the murder of Mysterio against Parker using Ned Leeds, MJ and Aunt May for leverage, Peter's really good lawyer, Matt Murdock, is able to get the charges dropped. God, it's such a good moment. Let let's let's talk about this <laughs> just just for a brief moment. It's so it's such an interesting thing. Lots of lots of really interesting things here. One that it is once again Charlie Cox Charlie Cox playing Matt Murdock as Daredevil, which like implicates a lot of things one it like for better or for worse kind of talk like convinces you that the the netflix series are in some ways canon
3: trust me that mm-hmm. depends on who you talk to oh, no. there was an extremely oh, no. long argument that happened yesterday uh with uh, another group of friends of mine with a uh, friend of the show arnaldo and i on one side and friend of me not of the show brady on the other side and he uh, is arguing that they are not canon? He is adamant.
1: I think they, if they want to, they can decide they're not canon, and these are variants, but I don't think there's any reason we should assume they're my,
3: canon. My take on it is that they're never going to answer it 100%. Yes. I think you're probably right. I think that it's just going to kind of be broadly implied that the yeah. show's happened, and maybe they will you know, take certain events that happened in those series and use them at, in stories going forward, but it's also been over five years in universe time since those shows, because all those shows happened before the blip. Mm-hmm. So that's such a reset that you can just kind of do a i I would call it a soft reboot where everything is still in continuity, but not necessary for a viewer to have seen, it's, which is what they do in comic books all the time. A new author takes over, a new number one for uh, a character comes out, and it's a good jumping on point for new readers. This is going to be one. whatever they do with Daredevil and everyone going forward. And we talked about this a little bit when uh, when Fisk was on Hawkeye as well. But whenever they bring Daredevil back, and the rumor is that he he and Fisk are both going to be in Echo, and there's another rumor that there will be a new Daredevil series on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a safe jumping on point for everybody but I don't think they're ever going to do anything to discount the Netflix series. Right. And and I think that's just the easiest way to to do it going forward. That way, people who didn't watch it don't feel like they're missing out. People who did watch it, you're not, quote-unquote, disrespecting them by saying, oh, that show you liked didn't count. Yeah. You
1: keep talking about how... uh, you made a good point there about it being similar to comics. Um, I also think that this cameo itself was similar to comics. Absolutely. And we, act about th- we asked this- about this. We asked exactly for how this was handled, which was, it's not Daredevil is a major part of this movie. It is his lawyer is Matt Murdock. Like, there is a yep. reference to him being Daredevil because he grabs the, the brick. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just a fun cameo. It's just reminding you that these universes are created... Um, Doctor Strange is a little bit more than a cameo in this, but still, yeah. it just feels like a comics crossover. Yes. And I really like that. And the scene was just funny. It was amusing. It was great seeing Charlie Cox um, again. Yeah. He was extremely so charismatic. Um, also, I, I'll never forget the cane appears on the screen and my wife grabs my arm, reinforcing that I married the correct person. Uh-huh. It was.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and then you see him and. You know, Eduardo's going to talk more about this later. But they knew what they were doing. They knew that, like, you know, a major portion of the audience is going to see the cane and scream. We knew that, Darede- or we thought we knew that Daredevil was going to be in this movie. But that, I guess that didn't really diminish, diminish
2: we
3: all yeah. how
2: great it was to see. We all had theaters that were going absolutely apeshit, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think y'all had theaters. I think the that only were,
3: person who didn't was Charlie Cox. I don't know if you heard that story. Yeah. He went into yeah. a theater and nobody reacted when he showed yeah. up on I think, um, I think Poor y'all guy. went to
1: better theaters than I did for this sort of thing. But I did have most of the theater cheered. And then clearly there were some people that were like, I don't get it. Um, There's a girl on YouTube who I watch. um, She does reactions to movies Uh and she does a good job of going in blind. And I watched her reaction to No Way Home and (laughs) I was really excited for seeing her her react to this. And then she didn't at all. And it took me a moment to realize like, oh, she's never seen Daredevil. This is meaningless to her. It's so I mean, that's that's whatever. But that's kind of. To what we asked for before this movie came out and how it was handled. That movie has a great moment or that scene has a great moment for those of us who get it but nothing about that scene other than maybe how did he grab that brick,
2: but who I mean, that's still a cool moment if you like comics and you've never seen the rest of the Marvel stuff because they call him Mr. Murdoch and he is blind and then he grabs a brick.
3: Like, you know that it's Daredevil. And even even if you don't know who Daredevil is, you're like, okay, there's more to this guy. Well,
4: yeah, that can be a great jumping off point to be be like, oh, this guy seems cool and mysterious. Maybe I should look up who Matt Murdoch is and they can go on, you know. Uh, a, a trail that way
2: mm-hmm. an internet rabbit hole yeah of nelson yeah. but and it's not a scene i think
3: that doesn't play to the uninitiated yes either, i agree because it's important to this story as right. well
0: right
1: also by the way um not important to the scene but just in the scene prior i want to just call out miss jones watson was a good touch that i made, made oh me yeah happy for mj
3: yeah, I think it's interesting how they brought damage control back <laughs> and now that they've brought them back in other things with Ms. Marvel, it's like, okay, and we're, we're finally starting to see things that happen in the Spider-Man movies affect things that aren't Spider-Man, right. which is great because it's really felt kind of siphoned off in its own little corner up to this point, except for when Spider-Man shows up in an Avengers movie, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more with our next film.
4: <laughs> Peter becomes a celebrity at school as his senior year draws to a close. Hated by some, beloved by others, and is unable to return to a normal life. He is rejected by all schools he applies to, including his dream school, MIT. Due to their association with him, Ned and MJ are also rejected by MIT, while Flash Thompson is
3: accepted. Can we just real briefly his little book called Flashpoint? A a nice little nod to another comic universe's big multiverse story.
4: Yep, which we're going to see next year. Maybe. Maybe.
3: Are we? Yeah, who knows if that movie's (laughs) ever actually coming out now at this point. I feel like the Flash movie has been cursed for a long time, and I feel like it just keeps getting worse somehow.
0: Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: It's never coming out. Looking for a solution, (laughs) Peter visits Doctor Strange at the Sanctum Sanctorum and asks if he can turn back time to prevent people from knowing he's Spider-Man.
0: If I can turn back time.
4: Strange, who insists Peter call him Steven, remind him Parker... Reminds Parker, excuse me, he no longer has the time stone. However, Strange does decide to attempt a dangerous spell that will force everyone to forget Spider-Man's secret identity. As they attempt the spell, Peter realizes he can't bear to let MJ, May, and Ned forget who he is, and asks for Strange to adjust the spell. The constant request cause the spell to destabilize, creating a temporary rift in time and space that Strange is able to contain, sealing the spell into a box strange who insists Peter call him doctor angrily tells Peter he should call it and ask for them to reconsider
2: that was the most like millennial moment by the way I, can, I could just call I can just call yeah. to be mm-hmm. honest I wouldn't have done that either I would yeah. have also I'd... accepted they sent me the letter yep what am I gonna do Karen them to death yes, like correct like it's like when, when some
1: some boomer asks you well did you haggle the price of course I didn't haggle the price no not an the price
4: is the price <laughs> Through Flash, Peter finds out about an MIT admissions officer who is heading to the airport. Peter leaves to confront the officer on the Alexander-Hamilton Bridge to ask her to let Ned and MJ into MIT. He finds her, but their conversation is interrupted by the sudden arrival of Dr. Otto Octopus Octavius directly from the Sam Raimi universe as Spider-Man changes into the Iron Spider suit. Hello, Peter. Oh, man.
3: Imagine how this would have happened if none of this none of the villain stuff had leaked. Yeah. Oh man.
2: I mean the theaters were already losing their uh-huh. minds. Yeah. Uh, I like there would have been fainting. Uh-huh. There would have been swooning. Uh, do declare. Like literal swooning. Uh, so Chris
4: this scene and I think it's indicative of a lot of different scenes in the movie are just some examples of them like understanding what the fans wanted and just giving them everything they understood
3: the assignment that's as right they say <laughs> i am i think this is something i've brought up before on the podcast So i'm gonna as a refresher at passover <laughs> they have a little prayer that they say at the cedar or Seder, i don't know how to say it i'm not jewish um but it is dayenu which is it would have been enough and they're like if he if he'd let us out of egypt it would have been enough and they go through all the blessings of passover that's how i feel about this movie if it had just been a cool crossover of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, probably two greatest Stanley Lee, Steve Ditko creations, Dianu, it would have been enough. If it had just brought back Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock and one of the best Marvel, cam- Marvel, Marvel cameos Marvel. of all time, it would have been enough. If it had just finally given us with great power, there must also come great responsibility. It would have been enough. If it had just uh, brought back the greatest hits of villains, from the previous Spider-Man films. It would have been enough. If it had just been a crossover of the three live action Spider-Men. It would have been enough. But they did all of this. And they gave us extended bits of the Peters Parker just hanging out. And talking about being Spider-Man. Uh, which was so much fun. And they gave us emotionally satisfying wrap ups to the visiting Spider-Men. And their villains. They wrapped up their stories very nicely. Not the least of which is you know, Andrew Garfield's Peter. His big moment at the end. And it gave us a great story about what it means to be Spider-Man. That is the theme of this story. It reinforced what we love about the character, all while somehow doing a good version of one of the most reviled Spider-Man comic stories of all time. Right? Right?
1: Right? This is like the good version of of uh, One More Day. Like, oh my yeah. God.
3: <laughs> uh, one More Day, which uh, we discussed a little bit on our... Uh, the episode breakdown of the trailer that Robbie and I did uh, back in the day, which is the story of Spider-Man selling his marriage to MJ to Mephisto so that Aunt May won't die uh, because she's been shot or something. And also the world will forget he's Spider-Man. But their marriage now never happened. Everyone hated it. It was only done because... Uh, Joe Quesada, who was the editor in chief of Marvel at the time, wanted Spider-Man to be more like he was when he was a kid, when he was single and a loser. <laughs> he didn't like married Spider-Man. Oh, um, yeah. So, but they did a version of mean? that story that's really, really good in this movie, and it set up an exciting new status quo for the character going forward, uh, uh, without cheapening the stories that he's done gone through so far in the in the MCU. I am a person, I sometimes get wary when something is described as a love letter to fans. I think a lot of times that's not a good thing uh, because what uh, usually just means regurgitating what we knew you already liked on screen so you can get excited and point at things. You know? Uh, and this was a true love letter, I thought, that was written by people who deeply love Spider Man themselves. And they understood it wasn't just enough to put the old suits up on the screen and and get the claps, which they did, but they they it resonates because they put a lot of thought and care into why it was going to emotionally resonate with people. I, I think I've made this comparison before as well, but when you read stuff about the behind the scenes of the rise of Skywalker, a lot of what you heard was you know the creative team going, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if this happened on screen?" and it's kind of hollow, for me at least. Whereas Endgame, they did that, but they asked a very important follow-up question. Why should the audiences care that we're putting this up on screen? And they did that with this movie as well. And my God, they nailed it. Again, somehow. It was like the fifth time that Marvel has somehow pulled off the impossible. (laughs) You know what's wild
2: is, in regards to everything that you just said, and I'm sorry to get back on this this uh, conversation for like the fourth time in the last, I don't know, 10 episodes or so, is that people, I am now starting to notice the people, you know, I questioned Eduardo about this a few weeks ago when he said like people are feeling a certain way. And then I started seeing people I know that we used to work with posting on Facebook about how you know marvel uh phase four isn't going anywhere and it's upsetting me and they need to give us more and blah 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 and you know i watched this movie last night for this recording and i'm like why how did y'all forget about this movie yes right did you forget how well how great you felt yeah when you saw this movie you're gonna say that phase four is bad and you're gonna you know, you're not going to remember this. You're, you're not going to remember me that Shang. I'm wrong. Yeah, you're going to tell me that I'm wrong. She was a witch, bro. You're, you're going to forget this. You're going to forget uh, Shang Chi. You're going to forget Loki. You're going to forget Wandavision. Like all of these things right. that are great. Yeah. And you had a great time watching. And then there's a couple things that like didn't do it for you. And suddenly, oh, the direction of the MCU needs to be yeah. shut the fuck up. This is like- one of the
1: most successful movies in the history of the planet. Yeah. Like, what are you yes. talking about? Shang Chi has a 98. percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, people right. forget we, G's part of this. Well, and also, you brought up WandaVision. All of a sudden, there's like this revisionist history that we don't like the Disney Plus shows. When did that happen? We all like yeah, the don't Disney get it. Plus shows. We all love WandaVision.
3: Right. We all love Loki right. and and at this is, the very least. So,
2: and, and watching this made me remember that. Like, I, I had these two events happen back to back, basically, which is what triggered this thought, where, I was watching No Way Home last night, and then I got on Facebook in the middle of mo- and I saw somebody complaining about, you know, Phase Four is really starting to disappoint me, and I'm like, Why, why can't it be enough? Why? What mm-hmm. is? Nothing will ever be enough." Like, it's because they've set this precedent that everything has to be leading to some sort right.
4: of big team mm-hmm. up thing, and, and like, they got
2: it. They got it with well, this movie.
0: Yeah,
1: and you're right. That's the argument. But aside from the fact that not only is that a stupid argument, somehow it's led to, like I said, this revisionist history where it's like they've also forgotten that they liked this stuff. Like they've yep. changed. No, we didn't like that. Yes, you mm-hmm. did. Yes, you did. It's like we it's all the same thing they're doing with the Force Awakens as well. Like everyone loved the Force Awakens, and the then all of a sudden, thing. all of a sudden, we uh-huh. act like we didn't like the sequel trilogy. No, everyone liked the Force Awakens. F-
4: same thing with the Last Jedi throne room scene. Yes, there is a large oh, contingent yeah. of people on the internet that are now talking about they don't how, like it now. How the yes. throne room scene, not just don't like it. But Talk about how it's poorly choreographed. How the <laughs> fighting the worst doesn't make sense. Fight in the last Hold on, everyone, series. shut
2: up. I have to laugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that well, is so. Dumb. There are like
4: yeah. video essays on how it is a bad, like it is a bad scene in like cinema mm-hmm. terms. That is the mm-hmm. best scene in the sequel trilogy. That whole trilogy. Yes, yes, it is.
3: Second best after Yoda. Except, I was about except to say after that Yoda, Yoda scenes. Except best, after Yoda, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Which, uh, to be fair, okay. are both in Last Jedi. Exactly. Hmm, Maybe the best of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I said it.
2: <laughs> anyway, sorry to tangent the tangent tangent. No,
3: I think you're right. No, it, it's absolutely no. I'm glad true. you brought it up. Yeah, you know, it's it. And people act like we can't tell where it's going. One, everyone is assuming that we're building a secret wars. I'm not necessarily thrilled about that, but it certainly does seem. With well, you know a lot of the multiverse stuff. Not only that, they have very clearly been setting up the Young Avengers since the beginning of this. Also, right, why do you dominoes. need to
1: know where it's going? <laughs> exactly. Why is it important to know what's going to happen?
3: Everyone acts like, and I, I'm sorry for repeating myself, everybody. <laughs> Everyone acts like they have the Infinity Saga planned since the beginning. You know what? No. Do these people- they had the Avengers plan from the beginning. And Joss Whedon was like, like we've hey, learned- can I put Thanos in the credits? And Feige's like, yeah, do it.
2: You know what the- I think we've learned is that there are more people than we realized on this planet that live among us, that we know, who will start reading a book they will read the first 10 pages of a book, and then they'll go read the last 30 okay. pages uh-huh. of the book. I almost brought that And then they'll up. go back and read the rest of the book. I
1: almost brought that up because that's what I did when I was a child. <laughs> yes.
3: I grew out of that probably decades ago. Yeah, like, There's also this whole thing in in how people engage with pop culture, consume media, watch TV, whatever the hell you want to call it. Where they need to know that everything was planned, like all these people come out with their, you know, and new TV shows come out, like the the Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power is a good example, uh, where they said yesterday, uh, we're recording this, it's uh, the day of uh, Saturday at Comic Con, so we actually have not heard anything from Marvel's Hall H yet, just to put you in our moment in time right now, but yesterday they released a trailer for Lord of the Rings and they talked about, oh yes, we have five seasons planned, we have the five year arc planned of this story and people act like that is the only way you can do something now right. is that if everything now granted yes i have complained about the star wars trilogy being kind of directionless but i don't think that's necessarily a problem in and of itself because do you know what other star wars trilogy wasn't planned from the beginning the original
1: oh if you tell if you tell young millennials and gen z that they will lose their mind they do not believe you that that's a thing yeah which is insane to me because it was extremely obvious yeah
3: Granted, there were some broad strokes of George Lucas's ideas, yes. but he was open to change ideas. Yeah. Like, here are the things that were not planned from the first yep. movie. Anakin Skywalker being Darth Vader. Yep. Leia being a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff came about. They figured out that Vader was Luke's father before Empire Strikes Back. Not before. And then,
1: during. Yes. During correct. production of Empire Strikes Back, they changed what the reveal was going to be. I was told
4: that when George Lucas sat down, he sat down with the prequels. He knew he was going to make the prequels and he knew he was going to make the original trilogy and he started in the middle because that was always his plan.
3: And granted, there, there are minor bits of truth to that here and there where he did have to break up his original story ideas. He did have the broad idea of how The Emperor, the Empire came into power. Like, you read interviews with him from the time of Return of the Jedi, and he describes a lot of what ends up happening in Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Sure. Um, Even
1: it. I have a book from, a kid's book from 1977 about Star Wars. So before anything, before there was A New Hope, before there was Empire, uh-huh. and it includes that Darth Vader wears his armor because Obi-Wan dropped him into lava during a lightsaber fight. Yeah, see, so it's, there
3: there are certainly elements, but the story grows in the telling, and that's fine. That yes. is how a lot of people write. That is how a lot of the great TV shows over time have now uh, You know, everyone always talks about how Breaking Bad is one of the greatest TV shows of all time, or certainly of recent history. Mm-hmm. That was not a planned out show. Yes. And uh, yeah. Vince Gilligan will tell you that. That, you know, they sat down and say, okay, what's going to happen this season? And so many times people either say that they did it or there will be revisionist history from mm-hmm. the writers themselves. Because George Lucas absolutely guilty of this. Yes. Of, you know, building up the myth of I had this all planned. Mm-hmm. But now it's to the point where everyone thinks that it's bad if it's not planned. The sequel trilogy didn't necessarily need to be planned. It needed to be spaced out more. That yeah. was the problem. There needed to be three years between movies instead of two or instead of two years.
1: Total side note to what you're saying right now, because you will find that a lot of Star Wars fans younger than us are in denial about the fact that Star Wars wasn't uh-huh. super planned. Do you know that there's a group of Star Wars fans younger than us that are also, they think of Greedo shot first, not as like a change, but more like a conspiracy theory that's like have you ever heard the rumor that Greedo used to shoot Have first? You heard the or tale that Han used to shoot Darth first, Lakers like like. Yes. like I'm not making it's that not up. A people,
3: story George Lucas would tell you. There are literally
1: people like. Where do you fall on the Han shot first cons- uh, uh conspiracy? What conspiracy? He shot first until 1997. Like, when's...
2: Wait until
3: they find That's out exactly that...
2: That's exactly what they want you to think. <laughs> wait, wait until they find out that, that it wasn't until the uh,
3: 1978 bah. re-release in theaters that it was called Episode Four: A New Hope. Bah. It was just Star Wars. I might have the year wrong, but there was a theatrical re-release yes. before Empire yes, came out. No,
1: you're correct. No, it's wild. I don't understand. I don't understand not just wanting to be along for the ride. And it's fine if the ride is disappointing. It's yeah. fine to say this disappointed me. But it's so wild to say, I don't know what the ending is going to be. Because we're not at the ending yet. Yeah. Is that what do Do they do this when they go into movies? And it's got to be... I wonder how much the binge-watch culture of Netflix influenced this. The ability to... I can just watch all of this. Because you also Uh know people were mad about Obi-Wan because they were mad... You know, I haven't gotten I haven't gotten a Clone Wars flashback. I'm not getting. You know, people are so they mad. They killed about, the Grand Inquisitor, right? Did they just decanonize rebels? Like, most of people's complaints boiled down to they hadn't seen the end of the series yet. Uh-huh. Almost all their complaints were addressed by the end of the series. Yeah, people are so impatient, and I just don't understand. Yeah. And I
3: know you and I are a little higher on Obi wan than some of the other people on this couch. Sure, but.
1: sure, but that. But it's one thing yeah. to say I don't like Shaky Cam, which I agree with. Uh-huh. It's another to say they didn't have an Anakin flashback in, in, in episode one. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: mid. Sadly, mid. Mid. Yeah. yeah. Mid. Anakin was sus. <laughs> this movie was mid because no Dane DeHaan didn't
3: no show cap. up. I'm sorry. Anakin
4: was sus. This was mid. And that's
1: what's going on with.
4: This with doesn't with
1: slap yeah. what Peach is saying about about phase four is yeah. like people are just so and i don't remember them being this impatient with the previous phases nope. i don't
3: it's because there's so much content coming at us now that is we already have like by like if you count the minutes phase four is almost as long as phases one through Three. Oh my god yeah because of the tv shows
1: oh uh, right yeah the tv shows that are good oh my god yeah
2: well and this Mostly. even goes back further to what eduardo was saying where Not everything has to be for everybody. So if you were to just start watching the stuff that you care about in the MCU, maybe you wouldn't be disappointed with what you are, and I'm doing air quotes, not getting. Because you are getting so much. Shut the hell up. You entitled Mm -hmm. people. Like, I just don't... I I just... I I can't wrap my brain around the... uh, Directionless. You don't know that something is direction. Yeah. You know when you'll know it's directionless? When they're done making films right. and well, you can analyze the full story. Last right. I checked,
4: every single one of these movies had a director. So right. when it's season. Fucking got him.
1: When it's season eight and the popular female character loses her mind, that's when you know it was directionless. Isn't that multiverse of madness? <laughs> yep.
3: Um, <laughs> the. I read an article recently which has just pretty much said stuff that I have said in this podcast before about how Phase 4 has been about setting up a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different storylines so you figure out the ones that you care about and you watch those. They're the street-level heroes. There's the supernatural heroes. There are your Avengers heroes. The They're the ones Rose. that are the Winchester heroes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure he was on The Boys. Uh, yes, uh, he was. You are correct. <laughs> no, but... That's the thing is that it's becoming even more like the comics where no one expects you to read every single comic that Marvel puts out. Marvel would love it if you did that, but they don't expect that. Uh, You're going to follow the characters you like and they hope that maybe you'll follow them to the crossovers that are happening and maybe check out some other ones as they go on. And there's like this completionist mindset because it was easy to complete when it was just two movies a year. But now it's like four movies a year, seven TV shows a year, and all this other stuff. Just figure out the ones that you like and stick with them. It's okay if you don't watch everything. Yeah. We're can, going yeah. to because we have a podcast imagine because I've liked pretty much everything so far.
2: Can you imagine if this shit happened after like Iron Man 1 in 2008 and they're, or 2006 Ooh, or whatever? We, God, I just wish we knew <laughs> what they were doing with Iron Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> shut up.
4: Yeah, it's crazy because yeah, it sounds like someone I know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> It's
4: true. Bailey is the leader of all of these internet trolls wanting to know what,
1: what face we're. What, uh, we watched. Can make it clear what movies <laughs> or shows you have to watch. The <laughs> ones that you're interested in. But like some of them, like you have to Bailey's watch. Bailey's here. Why? Why that? do you have to watch them? <laughs> Why did they watch Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness starring Wanda if they don't care about Wanda enough to watch her show? Okay. Okay. If you're going in that blind, then what are you even doing? Like, I just... Uh...
2: Do you need to have seen WandaVision?
3: Oh. We'll talk about that. I would argue yes, but... Uh... Maybe it would have been easier for me I to accept that movie if I hadn't seen WandaVision. Just yeah. watch
1: the movies that you... Yeah, I agree. Watch the <laughs> movies that have characters you care about. That's it. I don't care about this character, so I will not watch this movie. That wasn't hard.
3: Yeah, you know, it's okay. Now, gr- granted, I, I'm i a sucker and I like everything so far, uh, at least a little bit. Or are there, are there at least some elements of each character or story that I... That there's nothing like that I'm like, yeah, hey, go see the next one but it's okay to not watch everything.
1: I mean, I'll say I'm getting some fatigue about it. I'll say that I'm like I can only watch so much Marvel, but it's not it's not that it's directionless and I need to know the yeah. ending. It's I don't have movie fatigue. I have like post-credit scene fatigue. Where
2: can you I'm get off the off paper out of our son's, son's mouth? <laughs> you should just start skipping the post-credit scenes then. Yeah, We did M- solve.
4: We did watch No Way Home. Yes, last night, and neither of us could remember the post. Oh my god! Scene. This same thing happened we to me. Were like, oh, yeah, I know that. I was like, maybe there wasn't a post credit. Oh, scene. just wait. I've got it covered. I in don't the notes. remember.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> what a scene it was. Uh it really
2: hits different after. It post-credit. does, <laughs> especially <laughs> yes. because that post credit scene really made it look like Doctor Strange was the only bad guy in Doctor Strange. Right,
3: like. It made it look like this movie had anything to do with Multiverse of Madness, which it did not. <laughs> yes. Besides him being like, I know the multiverse. We recently had an incident with Spider-Man. <laughs> we
4: recently, did it. it was madness. <laughs> yeah.
3: Recognizing Spider-Man,
4: Doc Ock demands to know what happened to his fusion machine, confusing Peter. Spider-Man and Octavius fight across Why the bridge. Why did he
3: name his fusion machine confusing Peter? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, they fight across the bridge resulting in cars uh, falling over the side spidey is able to rescue one family as well as the mit officer after the rescues octopus pins spidey against the wall and prepares to kill him but the nanobats of the iron spider suit instead move to octavius's tentacles and give (laughs) control of them over to parker something about that just red (laughs) funny i don't know (laughs) Octavius's tentacles Yeah At this point With his mask removed Due to nanobot relocation Octavius also realizes This is not the same Spider-Man he's used to As Spider-Man takes control Of Doc Ock The MIT officer tells him She'll reconsider His friend's applications I want you guys to know That on your episode That you did Of the reaction to this Both of you Were a hundred percent sure That when he was saying Hello
3: Peter He was saying it To Tobey Maguire We we got a lot right But that is not one (laughs) Yeah that was very wrong. <laughs> yes. I like that we did call that that was not Matt Murdock's arm.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: Which the internet was sure about. Right.
1: Oh, we also called the inside out suit might be a symbiote. Or oh, we yeah. didn't call that. We said that. Yeah, we said that, that was, was a wrong. possibility. Mm-hmm. But we got, But we did notice that scene was Feast.
4: Yes. I, I do agree that that I thought Venom would have done... Literally anything in this movie. Yeah.
1: And and on top of that He did, he uh, got a drink. This doesn't need to be a whole thing, but like I'm this is not a complaint. This is not a complaint. But it's so weird that they were so close to having a Sinister Six movie and that they didn't bother, like it's surprising to me that they didn't say and I'm not saying they needed to say Sinister Six or need to be about the movie, but they had five villains. I'm surprised they didn't just say, Let's get another one for you know some tradition and some not uh, right let's bring in another Uh, one or let's Let's have uh, let's have Venom do literally anything in the movie. Like you were really close to being. I, have I six. get why they
3: didn't have Doctor Strange that could be the sixth villain. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I get why they didn't have Venom do anything just because he has nothing to do with any of those characters. This particular Venom, yeah, and that would have just been really out of place, and it would have gone against the whole theme of you know curing the villains, right? And this is also a Venom that has been portrayed heroically so far well
1: and another one i kept wondering is like well vulture vulture is a is a founding member of the sinister six like let's ram he had to go then i find out what happened to vulture
3: (laughs) it's morbid time
1: and that's that's a problem that's a severe...
3: <laughs> Until they decided no, that didn't happen to Vulture, and they took that scene oh, out. Did they of, really? Or they they either took that scene out of later prints in the movie, or they changed some oh, of the dialogue. Wait, what goes, happened? Okay, so I didn't Morbius see Morbius spoilers. I didn't
1: either, but I did see the post credit scene, and it's so bad. In
3: the post credit <laughs> scene, uh, for there are two post credit <laughs> scenes. One,
1: I need to see Peach's reactions w- as you say this.
3: One where they hear a news report about how a man named Adrian Toomes just appeared in a jail. And since there are no records of him doing any crimes, they let him go. This is in the Morbius universe. He just universe. appeared in a jail? Yes. He, hi, I'm here. Uh-huh. Why so are you here? He
1: better in this joint.
3: Yeah, and then in the second post-credit scene, Dr. Michael Morbius at your service drives out to an undisclosed location and Vulture swoops in in a new suit that he has managed to build in the past couple of days that he's been in the Morbius universe. I keep calling it the Morbius universe because, I mean, there's a chance that they might decide that this (laughs) never happened. Yes. And it's not the Venom universe. And he goes, I'm not sure how I got here. I think it has something to do with Spider-Man. But I think guys like you and me can work together.
1: And do some good. And And do some good. Morbius just goes, interesting. And that is the end of the scene.
3: Yeah. I think (laughs) it has something to do with Spider-Man. Yeah, apparently he's the only person that was affected by the spell at the end of this movie, where he got sent to a different universe instead right. of just forgetting Peter Parker.
2: Anyway, that's. I why mean, didn't it get could be, and hear me out on this one, because it's stupid. <laughs> it could be that Adrian Toomes did get pulled into the story of No Way Home, but was just never doing anything. Because he still liked Peter. (laughs) Well, the thing is, he is a part of that universe, though, I guess. So he wouldn't get pulled... I guess it doesn't... As I'm saying it, it makes less sense. Exactly. Because he's already in that universe. What the hell?
1: Yep. Anyway, that wasn't a complaint or a real tangent. I just find it surprising that they didn't just find a sixth villain. They were so close.
4: As Spidey takes control of Doc Ock, the MIT officer tells him she'll reconsider his friend's applications. At that moment, a pumpkin bomb explodes on the bridge, and the Willem Defoe Green Goblin appears just as a portal pulls away Parker and Octavius. In the basement of the Sanctum Santorum, Doctor Strange shows Peter that he has created a holding cell for Octopus, and also shows him the <laughs> lizard from the Mark Webb film. Called films, a fish tank.
2: <laughs> having
4: been, captured. I won't hold them. <laughs> He elaborates that the fractured spell has created the appearance of other people from other timelines who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. If that sounded kind of messy to you, uh like the my reasoning for all of that, it's because it was the 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 logic here is you know, uh, peach uh, uh get with me on this thought it needs yeah. a little bit to be desired in some areas.
2: So well, you'll find, I think, that there are going to be two themes to this episode. The theme that we're all really jazzed about how much we love this movie and the theme that re-watching it, there are things that don't necessarily click or make sense for some of us. One of the things that doesn't make sense to me, and I am willing to be wrong, I'm willing to say that I maybe missed a story beat or something, but one thing that you can't really think about too much or it doesn't make sense is that... They de- they start describing how these villains are showing up in this universe, and then we later find out, oh, you can't have show- you can't be here, you died. Okay, so we have a couple villains from uh, Toby universe, we have a couple villains from Garfield universe, and they're out of timeline order because in the Toby universe, the first two in chronological order died, Sandman did not, and Jamie Fox died, in the uh, Garfield universe. And Connors did not, but he also turned back into a human. So okay, we're plucked from different times in one universe, and also the Spider-Men are aged. I So here's here's the solution. Either time is something that is time is being manipulated here. Because they're being pulled from you know right before the moment that they died, or right before some of them didn't die, so right before some other moment, um, while the Spider man are being pulled from wherever they're at in their current age, uh, we either have to accept that it is a time-related uh, matter, or we have to accept that everyone from the Spider, the Sam Raimi universe, so this is Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Sandman, and Toby. All four of them came from mirrored versions of different universes. So we have four universes that pulled in those four separate people, but they're all pretty similar, and that's why they know each other. And then we had three universes that pulled the other three in that are all pretty similar, and that's why they know each other. Uh, like, I do- it doesn't really actually make sense when you try to think about it, unless I'm missing something entirely.
3: They got pulled from the moment they found out Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Especially sure. the, ones, the ones who died, There is a very brief moment in time where they are actually able to be brought in. Hey, so that's where th- they were brought in from those moments.
2: Answer me this. When did Peter Parker discover Peter Parker was Spider-Man?
3: Since Peter Parker didn't die, he kept aging and got pulled in from the present relative to the present of the MCU. Because he knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? No, because he didn't die. So it went back to the furthest back possible moment that they, you know, the... Look, it doesn't matter. I know.
2: I have another one to throw. Again, I'm saying- I get to his point. I love this movie. I'm saying it's a great movie. All I'm saying is, if you think about it, you just, your brain just, I watched your eyes. Your brain just broke as you were trying to explain the logic of this conundrum to me, and it doesn't make sense. Now, I don't care that it doesn't make sense. This is what I'm getting to. It doesn't make sense, but I don't care. Have you guys ever listened to Dimitri Martin? Yes. Mm-hmm. He has this joke. Um, he has like a bit. I don't know if he still does it, but he had this bit where he would bring out this pad of paper and a pen or like a marker and he would use the pad and, and pen as like a prop for his joke. So he'd already have jokes like drawn up on the pad and he'd like flip over the next page and he'd use it as a prop. And he had this one joke, which was a line graph. He drew out a line graph and the X axis on the line graph was um, how interested he is in a girl and the y-axis was how much she's talking about her cat. And then the <coughs> line on the graph was, uh, it was going upward pretty steadily, and then it peaked, and then it immediately dropped down. And the joke was, as you can see, the cuter I think you are, the more I'm willing to listen to your stories about your cat. But at a certain point, I don't give a shit how attracted to you I am. I don't want to hear about your fucking cat anymore. <laughs> That's the joke. This is movie to me is that axis it is things that i love they did a lot of fan servicey things and i love them for it and things that don't make sense and it for me where this movie falls is right at the peak before it drops down to the bottom is okay. there's a ton of stuff that i love and a bunch of stuff really that doesn't make sense, but you're right at the point in the graph before you drop too low where it's like too many things They cut don't it off at the sense. right moment. Yes.
1: That's why there's not a sixth villain. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> because maybe too many things wouldn't make yeah. sense with six. I, I got two another wrench to throw in that, which is, um, so it's the moment they discovered that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Well, the moment that Dr. Octopus discovered Peter Parker was Spider-Man was the moment he had regained control of his mind and decided to help Spider-Man. So Mm. why, how does this Dr. Octopus still, why is he still nuts? Why does he still have an evil inhibitor chip, but knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? Let's
3: say that being pulled across the universe messed up his inhibitor chip again. But it was no prize for me. It was just destroyed. Like that inhibitor
1: chip in Spider-Man 2 was just destroyed.
3: Yeah. You have to fudge a few things to make it work. Oh, absolutely. I'm with peaches
1: on this. (laughs) It's worth it. Also, I have a timeline question. The, honestly, the three of you may be able to answer. Um, so this movie takes place seconds after Far From Home, mm-hmm. which was years ago. So what is? But then this Captain America Statue of Liberty thing is also happening in Hawkeye, which I thought was supposed to be current, not in the past.
2: I thought some. I, I thought there was an undisclosed amount of time that passed. Like there was from undi- October to November. Yeah, or because, December.
4: because That's they're going. Months. They're doing their college applications. Like there yeah, is a an
3: amount of time, but that's
2: not years. It's it's months. It's the
1: same, right. I'm talking about years.
3: It's the same Christmas as Hawkeye.
1: But so, what was Hawkeye years in the past, or was Hawkeye in 2021?
3: Well, neither of them are in, in like I think it's twenty
1: twenty twenty six or something of the Oh, right, web. right, right, right. But still, okay.
4: Yeah. My my point is, just because the movies, the the properties are happening now, does not necessarily mean that, so, that that they are concurrent with our present. Yeah, I, think like still, many years I think we're I think we're still after catching up. Endgame. Right. Yeah.
2: Like, but so to real time, got it. Yeah, because okay. we have blipped into twenty twenty three, right? When we I don't remember. the five years that passed,
3: something like that at I'll the bet end this of Endgame, somewhere out there. I just, I'm sure it, someone's figured out you can like take context clues from WandaVision it just ends figure up... out that that happened shortly but after. But to,
2: to segue off of your Statue of Liberty point, I do think it is kind of weird that we added a Captain America shield to the Statue also, of Liberty. Yeah. The, also the, the French yes. gifted us yes. a statue and we were like, we're going to add, you know, we're going to put some flair on yeah, it. Yeah, that's a yeah. really weird.
4: <laughs> it is really, really cool of them to also reference the Spider-Man ride.
2: In this movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> With the Statue of Liberty. With the Statue of oh, Liberty. Oh, man. <laughs> Too bad Doc Ock didn't have the gravity gun. I
3: know. He was dressed more like he is on the ride, though. That's true. true.
2: <laughs> anyway, it does not impact my overall feelings of this movie, I think. If it does, it is very minimal because yeah. I am having so much abundant joy as I'm watching these these different scenes happen and these characters interact that I don't really care that much that it doesn't make sense. But if it would have made a little less sense, I probably would have... Fall into the you know it would have lost a few more. I mean, points. if you
3: think too hard about it, there's not actually a moment where Electro finds out Peter is Spider-Man.
2: I didn't think so either, and I don't couldn't remember People when Sandman did either. You can
3: I can easily um, write that off as he overheard them talking while he was still in the grid. Sandman
1: realizes it at the end of episode three, and he talks to him. I didn't I didn't mean to kill your uncle. At oh time. yeah, and yeah, and right. I
3: think it's great actually that they kept Sandman as not a bad guy. Yes, at, at very first he's like, Hey Peter, it's me. Yes. You know, like I, I appreciated that because Seeing the trailers and seeing Sandman fighting I was like well why, why is he fighting he, he likes Spider-Man now And, yes. and they, they made it work Agreed So Strange gives Parker a magic web shooter That
4: allows him to transport other deviants Into holding cells And tasks the him with movie. finding the rest <laughs> Peter enlists the help of MJ and Ned With the task In a, f- uh, a field at night Peter searches the woods As Sand mysteriously moves around him Suddenly, in a set of power lines above, Max Electro Dillon falls from the web... Power line? Max? The perfect cast. From the web film verse, appears from the power cable, siphoning energy to reconstitute himself. Okay, so there are a lot of little things that can pull you out in the first two acts of this movie. Uh, Electro is one of them, because if you saw the, uh, the, the, the... Andrew Garfield movies, you will quickly notice that this version of Electro is nothing like the version that we got in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Now he's not nearly as blue. He's also well, he starts <laughs> out as blue. Yeah, I, I'm I'm talking like character wise. Oh like, yeah, they are very, very, very different, and they that's act a, different. Yeah, they act different. There's a line that I thought was super weird where they're like, um, they're about to go to. To Happy's place to do whatever. And he's like, he's like giving them the choice. And he's like, I'm not going to be sitting around here with these Dungeons and Dragons characters. And I'm like, bro, do you remember who you are? You're like the yeah. biggest yeah. nerd I've ever seen in my life. You'd probably be jazzed to play Dungeons and Dragons. Of all the
2: people here, like right. you and Peter would have a great Dungeons and Dragons game. It's because the electricity is
1: different in this universe. Oh, I think okay. also,
3: <laughs> once he becomes electro in Amazing Spider Man 2, he ceases to have any character. Yeah. <laughs> so he's almost like a blank slate. He's just kind of, I talk like this now, and I'm mad at everybody. Also, I don't I'm know, uh,
2: I haven't seen any like uh, damage stats in real life on the difference between how much uh, it would hurt to get struck by lightning versus how much it would hurt to get punched by a mechanical tentacle. I feel like Electro is secretly the strongest of all five of these guys, and he just is too not smart <laughs> to uh, pull t- pull it together is that typically yeah. electros uh mo uh, because oh, i feel like I'm he's spider-man had
3: to build a special suit just to fight him yeah
2: cuz i i feel like in the comics that could also be a lot of the sinister 6 builds that i know of in my head elect- that electros a part of like he feels like he would be the strongest one um Unless lightning mm. actually sucks. Should I go get struck by lightning and see if see what happens? Yeah, I mean, I'll
1: say the Electro's lightning is never really treated with the respect that electricity actually should be treated with <laughs> yeah, in the real world. That's what I'm saying. Like. There's a point at the end <laughs> right. of the
2: movie where like, Doc Ock uh, is, like, about to deceive Electro, right, because he's actually a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he, like, has both Spider-Men in a tentacle, and then mm-hmm. he they're also getting electrocuted at the same time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, they're dead. Uh-huh. They're, mm-hmm. like, super dead. Like, yes. No, just some casual lightning. Yeah. Just a little bit of Electro, a little tickle. I
1: mean, it's between Electro and Vulture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boomers, honestly, Boomers prob- will get under your skin. There's thinking about it, it probably Spider-Man.
1: is Electro. <laughs> Venom was in the Sinister Six at one point, so that would probably be Venom. Yeah. Gog was pretty strong, um, but other than that, like it's probably yeah, it's probably Electro or Doctor Octopus. I almost feel and like Doctor Octopus could... a lot of it is the intellect in addition to the yeah. arms. Yeah, I
0: almost
2: feel like you could make a really good Spider-Man story with like Electro if he were smart, like if he weren't just a goon. Yeah.
3: They've done that with some characters like in the comics before, where like a nor- like a villain who's normally been kind of a joke gets their act together and yes. suddenly becomes like very threatening. It kind of, the way Scorpion, I'm talking about this, symbiote, Mr. Mix's Pitlick in mm-hmm. uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow.
2: It kind of reminds me of the Ronin Ninja Turtle storyline. The way that I'm saying this out loud, like if Electro went through some shit and then he was like, all right, I got to take mm-hmm. this seriously. Yeah. Like Mikey taking it seriously, yeah. like, you know.
4: It starts murdering people. Yeah. It's, crazy. it's
1: also the plot of the Wrath of Khan in Star Trek the Star Trek oh, films. Yeah. <laughs> Khan Yeah, I don't know. I Which don't makes know if it also
3: the plot of Star Trek into Darkness.
1: Right. I don't know if you actually know this, but like <laughs> Khan was almost a joke character from the T V series. Like it it's it, it, he wasn't threatening or anything, but they decided to bring him back for a movie and like make him an actual threat.
2: I know very little about yeah. Star Trek.
0: So, Wrath of
3: Khan is worth watching.
0: Even I've if seen, you haven't seen any other stuff I know very little. I've as seen well, but that's
3: something I do.
2: Know. W- the thing you just said into darkness. Yeah, I've seen that, which is like oh, a retelling of that it's story. It's like right? a riff on it.
1: Craven, Craven, Craven's last hunt was, oh, a, was an example. Like yeah. Craven started doing things that were not normally in Craven's wheelhouse. Uh-huh. It's-
4: Electro attack Spider Man but Parker is protected by Flint Sandman Marco from the Raimi films. Sandman and Spidey are able to subdue Electro, who calms down and is able to recognize he is in a different universe as the electricity feels different. Parker zaps the two back into the strange basement. Meanwhile, in a back alley, Norman Osborn gets into a fight with his Green Goblin personality, ending with him smashing his mask. We have to give a quick shout-out to Willem Dafoe for just, just fucking... Eating it up yes. anytime he, he was it. on screen. Anytime he was just, he was so good. He was so perfect. He was just giving it
3: 150% at literally every single moment. Was he my MVP of Spider Man when we did that movie? I, I think feel he, like was. he was. I think he was everyone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was for all of us.
2: He's somewhat of an actor himself. Yeah.
3: And, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's really good at this acting thing. I hope he sticks with it. <laughs> and he's just
4: really good at the Green Goblin. Oh my God. He's yes. so good good at it
3: just the right mix of of frightening and funny i think
4: frightening funny and also like a little sad yeah oh he plays
3: the pathos brilliantly right you Mm -hmm. feel really
4: sad for the norman osborne part of him because he he also there's like an there's like an era of like it's like notes of like him having like dementia almost Uh and you can kind of feel that like that like it, it feels really bad like that old person that doesn't remember what they've done mm-hmm. and they don't remember the, the, the bad things that they do or they don't remember people and stuff and like it just really hits different in this movie for some reason.
3: I always thought that the Raimi movies did a really good job of having tragic villains yes. villains that you would feel bad for and that really carried over into this film as and well. Venom was a villain too. Yes, and also Venom
2: was there. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God. Also, aesthetically, while kill, we're talking about Peter how Parker, great is, Parker. <laughs> how great
1: this Green Goblin is, the choice of, like, give him a purple hoodie was also oh just such a so great job of so evoking
3: good. the comic yes. look. Genius.
4: Norman is distraught about the lack of Oscorp or Harry in this universe and doesn't know what to do. May encourages Peter that he's supposed to help people and that he needs to help Osborn.
3: Also, Osborn is at the feast shelter, by the way. Yeah. Um, did you notice in this scene, and this is something that's been pointed out, whenever May is not looking, he grabs the food in the background, and it's because the May in his universe scolded him for trying to eat the Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) I didn't catch that. Oh, Oh, that's that's hilarious. That's so good.
4: Peter takes Norman to the Sanctum, where Otto insists Norman died years ago fighting Spider-Man. Sandman points out that Otto also died fighting Spider-Man. Strange arrives with a box containing the botched spell and says, just pressing a button on the box will return everyone back to their own universe where they will die as intended. He tells Peter and the grand calculus of the multiverse, their sacrifice means far more than their deaths, which is
3: word for word,
4: word for word. What is
2: used in multiverse of madness,
4: Yeah, which we will have a whole episode on. Yeah.
2: I'm so conflicted about Dr. Strange. Like, you went through this timeline Eduardo as we started this podcast and went forward where you were like Tony Stark's okay Tony Stark's all right I fucking hate Tony Stark (laughs) like you went through this and you're like god I'm just so sick of him and I don't know I don't want to feel that way about Doctor Strange because I like his character from like the video games I've played and from the very brief amount of seeing him in comics that I have but I don't know. I feel like the MCU version of Doctor Strange is almost too much. Like, let me nah, tell people you, can die. It's fine. Let
4: me tell you something. This version of Doctor Strange is very close to yeah to Tony Stark in my opinion. Yeah, well, I, think,
2: yeah I think he. I think
1: he maybe might be worse. And I think it's like I can like him as a character without liking all of his ethos. Yeah, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, He's, that's not what I'm saying.
3: The yeah. the thing about this version of Strange and something that gets explored in Multiverse of Madness is that he thinks he knows what is best. And on the one hand, it's good that he has standards of like, this is what's important. I'm going to do anything I can to, you know, protect this important thing. Like I must protect the time stone. That is the most important thing because Thanos getting it would be the worst possible outcome until he finds out that it's not. It's the only good outcome, but you know and, and that that's him actually learning a little bit the problem comes from how arrogant he is about it <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i i guess maybe i have to be less harsh
2: on <laughs> this fictional character no, I don't because think so. he did have to make the choice of saying I have to let half of the universe die so that half of the universe can come back. Like Maybe he's already made a decision of that magnitude, so maybe that's why he thinks that he knows best. But that is
4: also explored in Multiverse of Madness because they talk about it like, did you actually have to do that? Was there another way? In their universe there was, but it involved him dying. So you start to think like, where does the selfishness of Doctor Strange prevent him from seeing... The, the, the real outcomes. I wonder yeah. how
2: many of those uh, possible outcomes of the, you know, 14 million, whatever it was, I wonder how many of them were Dr. Strange is the only one that dies and they win. Right. And I don't know if I would have liked that much either, because that's like the whole other story we talk about of like, ah, character has to kill themselves to move the plot forward. But I don't know.
3: Here's the thing is that I do think that Strange... If that were, if he had saw that, if he had seen that the only way that the universe could be saved is if he died, I do think he would have done that, because he almost resigned himself to that in the first Doctor Strange. He was willing That's to true. stay in the dark dimension for an eternity to keep Dormammu from, you know, t- taking over our dimension, and he he bet that he could bargain with him, but I do think that he was willing to do what it took. To keep that from happening so I do think that he is at least consistent in that he will make the hard choice if it comes to it however I do think that what his problem is that when he thinks that the hard choice is the only thing to do he's like look I'm the sorcerer supreme's friend I will uh, (laughs) I
2: can make this decision I've seen crunch wraps more supreme than this sorcerer
4: (laughs) He's also not the source of Supreme anywhere.
2: No, I know. I just, I thought about that meme yeah. where it was like, I've seen crunch wraps more Supreme than this court. Oh, and-
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, influenced by May's words, decides he's not okay with that philosophy and takes the box. Strange pursues him and separates Peter's astral form from his physical form, but Parker's spider sense allows his soulless body to avoid Strange. Anything this was-
1: noticed? Oh, go ahead.
4: Very cool. Uh-huh. And the little tendrils yes. yep, yep. above the head. So if you w- if you watch that scene, mm-hmm. there are the little floating squiggly lines above Peter's head when he is floating in the astral plane like he gets when he's in the movies and ah! in, in the comics of the anime Yeah, series. it's the actual yeah.
3: comics. It's the. Exact I gotta same, watch it again. It's the exact same thing they did with Charles Xavier in Doctor Strange. Right. Yes. Where they actually gave him the wiggly circles coming out of his forehead. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah, it's really cool. And then they yeah. g-
3: killed him.
2: Yeah. I snap snapped his, snap his <laughs> neck, yep.
4: Strange pursues him and separates Peter's astral form. I already did that. Spider-Man continues to escape with the box, and Strange pulls him into the mirror dimension to try and get the box back. However, using geometric math, Peter is able to web Strange over the Grand Canyon and escape with his portal-making sling ring along with the box. I'll say, after watching Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, in hindsight... Strange's powers are a little limited here and they're kind of boring. Uh, Like, I think it's still cool to see them fight in the mirror dimension, but I remember leaving Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and one of the things I really enjoyed about that movie were how varied Strange's powers and movesets and the things that he was
3: doing. They made his powers so much cooler in that movie. That is the best part of that movie for me.
4: And I think in the first movie and in this one, and anytime you've seen Strange, like before Multiverse of Madness, they're kind of boring. He just... He does the same stuff. He does portal stuff, which is kind of cool, but, you know, where's it's, it's welcome. See,
2: I could see why he would in this fight, though, because he's going to pull his punches a little because it's, sure. it's Spider-Man. Me, yeah. yeah, they're pals. Yeah, you're not wrong. It doesn't, like, help me with yeah, the yeah, fight, yeah. though, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. He could have pulled his punches and done other cool spells. Right. You know?
4: Back at the Sanctum. Peter gives Ned the sling ring and proposes to the villains that he can find ways to cure them of their problems so once they return, they won't have to die. Osborne vows to help, saying he's something of a scientist himself.
1: Did you guys know that line was coming when he started delivering it in the theater? Yes. Like when he started, like, you know? I'm like, like there was oh, definitely a moment of like, no, they're not, he's not actually going to say it.
4: <laughs> it was incredible. And you know, there is something about this movie. This movie has a few, th- all right, I'm going to equate it to something. Mandalorian Season 1 spoilers. Okay. I have been chasing the high that was seeing Baby Yoda for the first time for oh, basically ever since. Interesting. Okay. I saw him the first time. The first time I saw Baby Yoda, it was so, first off, it was completely unexpected. Yeah, that's why you had a child. Right. It was, I know, <laughs> I know. It was did so it, did Grogu. it reach that? Maybe. It was so... <laughs> Unexpected, you know, because like you're watching that and you have no idea what's in there, and then it finally gets to the end of that episode, and you're like, "What the f uh-huh. is
3: happening?" You're like,
4: "What? Are we- what am I watching?" One it- of
3: the most out there. It was so outrageous,
4: but it works so well with the show. Incredible. This movie has a lot of these moments for me. I don't think it quite on the same level, except for a few that are maybe surpassed that. Uh, but there are a few moments. Where I'm just like, man, I feel like I've been waiting for this my whole life. Like when he says yeah. this, being seeing this movie in a theater with a bunch of people who are also all be like, Oh my god, he said the thing uh-huh. and we're all like freaking out all together. That's those are just those are experiences that you cannot
3: replicate.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's this is really the only time that I feel like arguably they overindulged on like, remember the funny line you liked. Yeah. Or, but I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Because they did everything else so well, I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. I, I, I like it when Willem Defoe says and things I that. I, I mean, like. they also and
2: did I, the power of the sun and the palm
3: of my but hand. They, they actually, I feel like they actually made that work in a really I interesting agree. way. I agree. Yeah. I think
2: both yeah. of them were funny, though, and interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: what's important is they didn't do too much of this. They had this line. They picked probably the most famous memeable line from the Remy movies <laughs> and used it, and then, but they didn't. They didn't just have everything that he said be straight out of the yeah. Rainy film.
2: We could have used more three Spider Men pointing at each other.
3: We got a little bit of that.
2: No, but more. That's true. It's like you know that uh, that meme of the well, not meme. I guess it's just a joke of the you know uh, the waiter shredding cheese on your pasta at a red say when, and it's just a pile of cheese. Uh-huh. That's how much Spider Men pointing at each other I want. <laughs>
3: the never-ending. The one of them, <laughs> they're all at least pointing at the other one. Yes, you started by pointing at me. That's <laughs> very rude. <laughs>
4: at an old Tony Stark safe house, Peter and Norman use a replicator to work on curses for the vil- cures for the villain. They successfully- is,
3: this, uh, is this Happy's? Home? This is Happy's apartment. Okay, yeah.
4: They successfully create a new inhibitor chip for Octavius's arms, which allows him to regain control of his mind. Octavius is his old, positive self again and happily talks with Norman, who expresses he's looking forward to being whole again. Electro is given a device that will sap his electricity, though he expresses unease about it. Sandman just says he wants to go home to his daughter. As things wrap up with the villains, J. Jonah Jameson finds Spider-Man's location and arrives to get a story. He's so good. Mm Mm-hmm. So so good. JK Simmons yes. is J. Jonah Jameson. They
3: are one. They're the same person. There is no way they could have recast this. No. Yep. You know? He he should be in every universe J. Jonah Jameson. I agree. Oh,
2: so there is something in every universe that is constant, you yeah. say.
3: <laughs> sort of. Just J.K. Simmons. Oh, okay, that <laughs> fi- is something.
4: <laughs> While finishing the cure for Osborn, Peter's spider sense goes off. He takes some time to fi- uh, he takes some time trying to figure out the source. Then suddenly, webs Norman's arm to the wall. The Green Goblin personality comes out, laughing at Parker and mocking him for ever thinking he would play along. He appeals to the other villains, saying they could they should be treated as gods and not give up their powers. The Lizard breaks out of the truck he was hiding in, in front of Jameson, while the Goblin tosses Doc Ock out the window. Electro removes his device, and he and Sandman retreat from the apartment, as does Octavius. Aunt May runs away with the cure for Osborne's powers and personality split, while Spider-Man and the Green Goblin violently fight across the apartment complex. The Goblin and the Lizard crush Spider-Man through the floors of the building, while Osborne taunts Parker for holding back. Let me tell you, this is one of my favorite marvel fight scenes mm-hmm. in a movie because it is unapologetically brutal yeah the green goblin can throw hands mm-hmm. he first off when did he become a wrestler he's <laughs> like, over here like yeah. power bombing uh, and like he's doing like um what is that spinebuster he spinebusters him like three floors down it's insane it's so cool and it's so like, there's that point where Peter is, like, punching
1: him in the face repeatedly, and he just laughs. Uh-huh. Dude,
4: it's so it's good. It's it,
3: terrifying. It's and, so
1: visceral, and it's the scariest, I think, the Green Goblin yes. has been.
3: And they took that move, and they've said this, they took this directly from the Spider-Man video game for PS4, but the move where he Peter throws Goblin down, And then, like, uses his webs to, like, launch himself through the floor. Yeah. Uh, Because that happens at the beginning of the PS4 game. He does that to Kingpin.
1: Also, it may have been false, but I read that this is Willem Dafoe doing this.
3: Yeah. He he insisted on on doing as many of his own stunts as he could. He was like, I don't want to do this if you're just going to CGI me this whole time. God.
0: What a legend. I'm sure there were
3: stunt doubles involved for some things, but he did a lot of it. He's so good
4: he's so unbelievably good in this absolute unit dude he's so good this fight is so good i think you know it is it you know i talk about things being refreshing in the marvel scene i'm not going to say that a brutal fight between (laughs) the green goblin and spider-man is refreshing but it is this old man and this teenager throw hands right but it is it's like it's a good like it's fun to watch i'm okay fun isn't the right word but you know what i mean like (laughs) It is It's exciting. It's exciting. Like it's a yes. it's definitely something different, something fresh. Uh it's I, I was a real I'm a really big fan
1: of it. Mm-hmm. Well, think, and it feels like people with super strength fighting, not powers and flight and, and rays and Well and, and it, like, it
4: does a really, really good job of raising the stakes. Yes. Up until that point, it's like a happy go lucky, fun Spider Man movie yep. where Nothing's going to go wrong. Why Mm -hmm. would anything go wrong? It's Peter. He's having fun. We're telling Uh jokes. It's a good time. And then he gets
3: his shit stomped in this hotel repeatedly.
0: Well,
2: go ahead.
3: I was going to say, it's not often that we see (laughs) Spider-Man using his super strength violently. Yes. And this is like a reminder of, oh, he could knock your head clean off. Yes. Yes. If he wanted to. And, you know, um, Green Goblin is enhanced basically by, you know, their universe's version of a super soldier serum. Mm -hmm. So he's one of the only people that could actually go toe-to-toe with Spider-Man in a fight like this without pulling punches. I
4: don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's giving the Joker in this, or the the Green Goblin in this uh, movie is given a few Joker vibes. Well, He's given a little... From the movie Joker? I
3: know. Just, yeah, just, remember the scene where Green Goblin dances to <laughs> Rock and Roll Part 2? Oh. I,
1: I think Green Goblin giving Joker, uh, Joker vibes is as old as the Green Goblin. Like, that's, that's fair. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. And, and this sort of, I want you to like live out your full potential and use your sort of like, I want you to join me in the chaos kind of <laughs> thing. Hit me. I want you
2: to do it. <laughs> I want
1: you yeah, to do yeah. it. <laughs> well, and you talked about raising the stakes. And I have a, a one of the my personal notes here. I was trying to figure out, you know, I'll bring this up at some point in the show and I hadn't decided decided where, but you gave a perfect spot. Is the stakes are an interesting thing in this movie. There's no grand plot or scheme from the villains. They're not, there's not any sort of, um, you know, got to save the world because this thing is happening or someone's getting this MacGuffin or whatever but there are there are very big stakes in this they just the movie doesn't feel it needs to spell out to you that this guy being loose in the world is incredibly dangerous those are the stakes the green goblins out there and that's that's enough and i think that's very smart that's it, this is a a compliment to the film not a criticism where it doesn't feel like it needs to set up some sort of got to stop the green goblin from doing this thing it's just as simple as got to stop the green goblin end of and and his his Companions that he's assembled, yeah. not six. Um also while we're talking about Willem Dafoe being so great, right before this scene, like this whole movie, we've had this broken um Norman Osborne. The moment where he gives the the uh, that's a neat trick of yours, Norman's on sabbatical yeah.
3: is
0: <laughs> bone Chilling Another wheel. line well delivered. On sabbatical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: It it's so good. Willem I mean, this is just like a Willem Dafoe. Like gush session because he's just so good in this. It's a tour de force. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. All right, we're going to continue on now. Thanks, Chris, for
3: ruining that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I
4: they, liked it. they fall to the ground, and while the two fight, uh, May attempts to inject the goblin with his cure. The cure doesn't work, however, and the goblin calls his glider through the window where it crashes into May. When I
3: say Crash into it like May.
4: sucked the air out of the room oh my yes. in my theater when this happened. Yes, We
3: all realized what was about to happen. Right.
4: Yep. We were like, oh my God. Yeah. Saying he's doing him a favor, the green goblin throws a pumpkin bomb at May, but Spider-Man is able to deflect it away, destroying the lobby of the apartment complex. The villains all escape and Peter picks May up off the ground, who insists she's fine. Peter expresses regret over helping the villains, but May shuts him up, telling him he did the right thing, because with great power must also come great
3: responsibility. The wording from the comics, (sighs) which I think we discussed in the Mm Spider-Man episode back in the day.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Robbie, you finally got what you wanted. Are you happy?
4: (laughs) No, Mary Jane isn't in the movie. Oh, that's true. (laughs)
1: At what
2: cost, Peaches? At what cost?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Upon delivering the, lex- the lesson, May collapses and dies from her injuries. Peter falls, sobbing over his aunt's body, while a SWAT team and Happy arrive at the same moment. Happy emotionally recognizes what, happens- what happened to May before he's arrested, and the SWAT open fire on Peter, forcing him to leave May behind. On a skyscraper in the rain, Peter watches on the news as Jameson blames him for May's death. This is such an incredible scene. I think we've seen. There are movies with what we've had with death scenes before. None of them invoke the emotions. I think that this scene does. And Robbie, like it, it it's incredible what they were able to do and kind of what they were able to make us feel yeah. in this moment.
1: Yeah, I'm getting sick chills just sitting here listening to you recap it. Um, I mean, I'll start by asking the room, like, is this the most emotional MCU movie? Um, uh,
3: I, I should say top five s- emotions, sad emotions. I yeah. yeah, it's up I, there. I put volume two up there uh, for yeah. me at least. Civil um, War
2: was, remember we discovered oh, Civil War was uh, like surprisingly yes. sad. Civil
3: War, Endgame. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think Infinity War has to be up there. Oh, Infinity I War. I think my oh, top yeah. uh, emotional moment is with Peter Parker being like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Yeah. And then
3: basically sobbing that he doesn't want to f- like, die. And that still lands, even though we've seen like three movies yeah. with him since then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so it's up there. I just... And I remember the four of us actually got together after this movie. So I remember saying this to you all at the time, and I think we had similar reactions. But um, I was wearing a, wearing a mask, and I just remember my mask was soaking wet in this movie and i do not i don't actually cry that easily in films this was the main the main part that made made me lose it and i i vividly remember so you said when she gets hit by the uh by the glider the air got sucked out of the room exact same thing in our our theater just went quiet and then when she got up just think okay maybe she's okay and i remember then she delivers the line and when she says, I could tell it was coming. I could tell I was getting really excited that she starts, Peter, no, Peter, with great power. And I just, as she says, with great power, I looked at my wife and I go, she said the thing. And my wife goes, that means she's going to die. Yeah. And I just remember <laughs> sinking back into my chair, just like with my mouth, like behind a mask, but just my jaw on the floor knowing that, oh, she's right. And then it happened. And I I mean, I was destroyed, absolutely destroyed. Uh, and then then that's not the end like uh we'll talk about this later but andrew garfield peter's redemption when he saves mary jane is oh well, mj is oh my god uh
3: like i'm getting emotional just thinking about these yeah. scenes right now yeah.
1: and kat had not seen um amazing spider-man 2 so she didn't get why that was so i mean, neither have you but I've seen that scene. Oh, okay. Um, but she didn't get... So she didn't get why that was so important. But, like, that was... And, and and they played it so well. They didn't just play it as, look, Andrew Garfield saved the girl this time. They give you a moment of him breaking down and this world's MJ being you good, bro. Like, like... Yeah. Oh, my God. So I, I just... This movie got to me severely. And I had kind of... I want to say it was maybe Stubes on TikTok where I kind of knew it was coming, where someone... Someone somewhere on social media said, This movie's great. Just prepare to like be or actually maybe it was Tom Holland. Someone somewhere said, just prepare to be emotionally devastated by this movie that you're going to enjoy. And even <laughs> even that warning did not prepare me to be emotionally devastated by this movie that I enjoyed. Honestly, I thought what people were telling me is Ned Leeds is gonna be a bad guy. But um, oh, we'll get to that. Oof. <laughs> But and in a good way, I mean I don't think it, I don't think it was manipulative or cruel. I just think it was a well done movie that had a lot of that elicited a lot of emotion. So yeah, that's it plus I finally got my line. Um, I'll say a little bit more about what this line being in here means hmm. uh, but it was great actually hearing that yeah and it's such a perfect delivery of it
3: there's there's a lot we can say I mean it, it really says something that it hit so emotionally when one we were all expecting it. And two, it was, you know, driven home so hard in the first three Spider-Man movies. And it's been an iconic line since the first Spider-Man comic. Mm-hmm. But then it became iconic, like, on a global scale with the Raimi movies. Yeah. And not in, like a weird, ironic way either. You know, people joke about it, but it lands in those movies mm-hmm. too. You know, particularly the first one. And then for it to land in this one, it just... The fact that this movie works so well, it isn't dragged down by the long cinematic history of Spider-Man. It's elevated by it. Right. It builds on those things, builds on its own mythology, builds on the MCU mythology, and makes things that we're expecting still hit hard. Yeah. And I'll say, I, I don't,
1: I'm assuming you all felt the same way, but I think when I was re-watching it for this, this was the third time I'd watched the movie. Mm-hmm. And it does not hit. It's less of a shock. Like, I obviously know it's coming. But even with the shock gone, it I don't think it hits any lighter when I rewatch it. Yeah, no. it's well I agree.
2: You ever, like, watch a movie that you know the full plot of and you think, like... Maybe they'll do something yeah. slightly different this time. Yep. Like, obviously, it won't. It's already been filmed. Yep. Yeah. But you like, maybe there's a Mandela effect going on. And I remembered this movie completely differently. And she's not going to die this time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll be different.
1: I remember being a kid and watching the never-ending story and just thinking, maybe this is this is the version where Atreyu doesn't die. Like, yeah. it was
2: Oh, well, now I'm sad for another reason. <laughs> i sad, turn. so I add it to let's, the tally. Uh, let's
4: cheer you up. In Ned's house, MJ and Ned say they wish they could find Peter. As Ned says that, he accidentally uses a sling ring and opens up a portal to Spider-Man. Spidey walks through the portal, but when he takes off his mask, he's not being played by Tom Holland, but rather Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let me ask go. you guys a question. Uh-huh. What was a louder cheer for you when you watched this mm-hmm. movie? The people showing up in portals at Endgame, or Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire showing up here. What
1: were? What uh, do you think was, was louder? It was Endgame, but this was this. I was don't yeah. remember. Endgame
3: was longer and more sustained for me, I think, and and partially because even building up to the portals, there were several moments. Captain America using Mjolnir, for yeah. example. Yeah. There were, uh, you know, Thor getting like his armor and the braided beard. Uh, you know, there were a lot of huge, huge cheer moments. So that when all of a sudden you get the on your left and the portals open and Sam flies in and T'Challa shows up and Spider-Man swings in, Spider-Man getting one of the biggest cheers in that as well. Uh, the Guardians, you know, that was just like an extent. That was almost like a curtain call, you know, in the middle of the show <laughs> because that was just like a long sustained building, building, building. But this was like an explosion of cheering. And then everyone like, we got to be quiet. What's going to happen now?
4: I think there was. They never
2: were
3: quiet. Well, and what here's are you
4: the about? thing: in Endgame, you like didn't know what was going to happen. Everyone in the back of their minds mm-hmm. knew these guys were going to be. in this yeah, movie. They were just waiting like, it for it to be. They, yeah. they, they were like, "When's it going to happen? This has to happen." It was almost like you were sitting with anticipation throughout the entire movie, waiting for this
3: to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I had managed to convince myself that there was still a chance it wasn't going to happen because I hadn't seen any of the leaked photos or anything. Mm. I'd heard about them, but I was like. I haven't seen anything. There's enough plausible deniability in my brain that maybe it won't happen, so I'll still be excited when I see them. And I don't think it ma- it would have mattered if I'd known. I'm glad that we had not seen anything, even if we all basically knew. It's still actually seeing it. When that portal opened up, and he's in that alley, which reminded me of the alley in Spider-Man 2, first of all. Yep. Um, but you see those eyes on the Spider-Man mask, and you're like, "That's that's him. Good.
4: Well, and, like, it didn't... To me, my people didn't cheer until he took off the mask. Oh, really? It was, it was like, people, like, were, like, gasping. And were they like, didn't know based oh on the God. suit. It was almost, like, a sigh of relief from everyone. Like, oh, my God, we're actually doing this. Yeah.
2: It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of weird, though, that, uh, in a way, that, like, the five villains from the other universes wasn't enough, oh, my God, we're actually doing yes. this.
4: <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say after we've talked about all of this, after we talked about how cool of a moment it was in the theater, after how awesome all of that was, watching it back at home, Andrew Garfield takes off his mask, and there is like a three to four second pause for applause. And it is long, and it is noticeable, but at the time in the theater, I didn't notice it because we were all freaking out. Now that I'm sitting at home... I noticed this and a few other scenes where there was, it was like a pause for laugh or pause for applause that in the theater was right, but not in the theater is now
3: weird. I think it was ultimately the right decision uh, because I know so many times where I've missed lines because people have been still laughing or clapping over something in one of these movies. But uh, yeah, I, I guess it does hit a little more awkward when you're watching it at home, like by yourself or whatever but I'm willing to forgive it. Well, and we talked
1: about on the Endgame episode how the Russos regret how they directed Captain America to deliver the Avengers Assemble line because they weren't thinking in terms of cheering in the theater and realized Mm -hmm. that a lot of people didn't hear that. Uh, So I think it's very interesting. It reminds me a lot. um, It's almost like television becoming movies because if you watch Seinfeld as the seasons went on, they started to have longer and longer pauses as Kramer would enter... Uh, the the scene for people to cheer him and eventually I had to start telling audiences no stop you cannot cheer Kramer yeah. when he appears <laughs> because it was cutting into their runtime. Um, and so this is not the same as the feedback of a live studio audience it's almost like anticipating the yeah. feedback of a live it, studio audience
2: in a way I do appreciate it for a first time viewing because you know like you just said Chris I remember I had to watch Avengers three times before I heard Hulk say puny God after he slammed Loki <laughs> around and I don't I'm having a hard time deciding like would my movie going experience have been so much better had people not been cheering and I heard puny God or was it fine that everybody was cheering while he was getting slapped around and I heard the line later because then it was like a little nugget later that I like oh my God I didn't even realize that Mm -hmm. they said that I think I'd almost rather have the latter where. Just go straight to the dialogue whatever's next. Yes, for the first viewing I might not hear something, but I think the cheering is going to happen no matter what and people are going to notice, "Oh, they're talking now." And most people I've in my experience have like shut up. You know, it might trail over a little, cheering a little, but then most people shut up.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Eduardo's right, it's awkward, but if you've got to make a decision with a movie, you probably have to make the decision based on This person will see this movie one time in a theater, and that maybe that's changing a little bit now. But you probably still got to think about that experience first, and successive viewings or non-theatrical viewings after.
2: I guess. But how long is long enough? You know, like people could be people could have been so excited to hear Andrew Garfield that they went past the point of pause. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not pausing anymore. They're talking, and people are so.
3: "Ah, Well, you have to try to take your best guess as to what's not going to be too awkward, but what gives people enough time to get their
2: or do this. Do that for the theater release, and then once it's not in theaters anymore, edit just it down. edit it you down know, honestly, by two seconds.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Release a cut that kind of removes the theatrical pauses.
3: Yeah. That's, I don't think the theatrical pauses are enough of a problem to require extra work, though. But I
2: don't it's, think clipping two seconds of four times in a movie is that much work either. Maybe.
3: Well, to make it look good when they don't actually cut away and it's all one shot. Huh. Yeah, that's That could be true. So you shoot that scene twice.
4: I think it is okay to say it's a little awkward and it's a little weird when you watch it at home. Oh, I definitely think that's okay. Mm. Because I think, and we're just getting into it, I think there are a litany of problems. Not a litany, but there's a, a few problems in the first two acts of this movie. Plot doesn't make a lot of sense. Some of the dialogue, while fun and nostalgic, is a little... A little nostalgia-baity, you know, it gets, it, it does, you know, get a little far. The tone can be kind of inconsistent at times, especially with the beginning of the movie, and then that middle act. But this third act is so unbelievably good that the rest of it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's so good that it, it, it's like, it, what is the point of the rest of this movie? Like This, <laughs> this is the movie this right here this is this is I am the this Senate is it, you know so Andrew Garfield spider-man is able to convince the other two being Ned and MJ that he is uh, spider-man from another
2: universe by the way just specific to that scene that is probably the most hilarious bit in the movie in my opinion mm-hmm. of them like MJ throwing the bread at him and he's like yeah my my thing works, just not for bread. Don't have the tingle? <laughs> and, have the tingle and, and she's yeah. like, prove you're Spider-Man. And he like jumps on the ceiling and she's like, now crawl around. This is enough. No, it's not enough. Yeah. Give, it
4: is enough. They give <laughs> Andrew Garfield so much leeway here to just be fun and have
3: yes. a fun time. Yes. And All the things that we liked about his Spider-Man. Yes. Right. And
1: they and they lean into it in this uh-huh. more than I think they did in his own movies. Yeah. It's, the yeah.
2: mom comes out and she's like, can you get that spider or that cobweb? And he's and he like- crawls over All and right. gets it. <laughs> Ned
4: tries again to find Peter, but this time he finds Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Ah. Another freak out in the theater. Yep. Significantly
2: mm-hmm. less creepy than in his trilogy. <laughs> True. He's grown up some. And it's yeah. so weird because he's almost like
4: the like mentor figure of the Spider-Man. Yes. He's like, yeah. the, like the mentor father figure. Not father figure, but you know, like the, the, the
1: one that's seen some stuff. He is the, the old fat Spider-Man from the Spider-Verse. McGuire yes. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. Spidey and Garfield Spidey say they appeared in the universe, but they want to help Holland Spidey. The group is able to find an emotionally broken Holland Parker on the school roof. McGuire Parker tells him he understands loss after the loss of his uncle Ben and Garfield Parker agrees referencing Gwen Stacy. I do think it is. This is a really strong scene because of sort of their, their idea of shared loss here Mm -hmm. and like, uh, you know, kind of what makes a Spider-Man a Spider-Man it's, We've all experienced a loss, and we all decided that we weren't, you know, going to let that loss stop us from, you know, being who we were supposed to be. And we're going to use it to do good in the world. And that is when these movies pull off one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest magic tricks that has ever been pulled. We all talked about this several times. Mm-hmm. We do not want another origin story. The mm-hmm. origin story of Spider-Man is played out. We do not want to see that again. And yet they snuck in a trilogy that was basically <laughs> one long
1: Spider-Man origin yes. story. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm Oh my god. I was actually just about to talk about that. I can I mean, in the interests of efficiency, I can just talk about it here. Sure. Because this
2: movie. Uh, wait, in hindsight real quick I can yeah. I can hear all the people going At Spider-Man Homecoming Why don't we know what the ending Of this trilogy
0: is <laughs> <laughs> We can't see The future we hate it What
1: is the end game Of the Hollandverse <laughs>
2: What are they selling <laughs> They want you to take the role you are doing chocolates,
4: chocolates.
1: <laughs> Is this building to the Green Goblin Or is it not building to the Green Goblin <laughs> Sorry. so so this movie is very interesting in that it pulls i i think you called it kind of like a magic trick and it does where it's this movie is like three different endings but in different ways so uh, famously two of these spider man they got their uh their franchises were cut short um and this movie i think ends up being kind of their closure uh we have the, the finding out we you know we see the toby Maguire spider-man evolved into a very experienced mature hero um you know we we find out that he and mj had their happy ending and we get sort of our closure to the sam raimi trilogy mm-hmm. it's we didn't have to see more film we just got to see it off screen which means it's a plot hole but <laughs> <laughs> but we get to find you out jokester. that jokester we get to find out that peter learned a lot and he and mj worked out their differences and and manage to get through it and be together, and then not only that, but we get to see him have moments with his own villains and closure there. Yeah. In this film, uh, one of the things that Chris talked about when we were doing our our uh, preview episode from or or our reaction episode from the trailer was the concern that we got Doctor Octopus's redemption in spider-man 2 and would this mess that up no it didn't it improved
3: it it, made it, it <laughs> made it better
1: we get that moment of peter and and you know uh how are you my dear boy or or, or however you Trying he said. to do better yes trying to do better like oh my god like we get a closure an actual good closure moment between he and dr octopus not just hey doc Ock, i need you to kill yourself to save the world but an actual like hey dr octavius how you doing i'm doing great too Um, We got it a little bit with uh, him saving Sandman and we get it Mm -hmm. with the moment with uh, uh, Norman Osborn, you know, and that one's a little different, but it's Norman Osborn realizing my God, what have I done? And so we get weird enough, even though he's not the main character in the movie, we get our closure to the Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, Sam Raimi universe. Um, And then we get a different sort of uh, closure with Andrew Garfield which we don't close up that story. We don't tie up his loose ends. We don't get his, um, you know, sort of his his uh, interactions with his yeah. characters. We find out a
3: little bit about right. what happened to him afterwards, right. how he right. got violent apparently.
1: Right. But what we get with him is we get redemption and rehabilitation. We get, you know, kind of kind of like we were saying, these movies weren't the most popular, but he wasn't the problem with them. And so we take, you know, a fantastic actor who is very charismatic, and we have him come in this movie, and it's like, let's have fun with the Andrew Garfield. What
3: is he doing
4: in this movie?
1: <laughs> let's have fun with this Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, and they really, really do. And they, there's a moment when they're hanging out on in the construction of the... Uh, the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty, the Captain America of Liberty. <laughs> there's a moment where they're hanging out there, and he reflects on, you know, I'm not fun. You guys fought aliens, and I fought... A man in a rhino suit, and they're you know you're cool, you're amazing. And yeah,
3: when when the Toby Spider Man is like, I need to hear you say this. You are amazing.
1: Right. This movie is directly winking at. We know that these films were disappointing, but we're going to give this Spider Man his case to not be disappointing. We're going to give this Spider Man his case to be a great part of this film, and then then they very much give him his redemption in saving MJ, which we've already talked about. So we get these closure moments with Spider-Man and then we also kind of get a closure of the Tom Holland trilogy which to Eduardo's point and I'm glad you said it ends up being an origin story. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of this movie our Spider-Man is in the state that we are used to Spider-Man traditionally. He's on his own. He's building his own suits. He's having to listen to police scanners to go out there. He's having to support himself. He's no got one cheap ne- crappy apartment in yep, New York. Yep, his identity is a secret. He's not being bankrolled by a billionaire who builds him suits. He's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Jameson
3: is on his uh, yep. on his case.
1: So. It's funny that Eduardo says that, but that's what this is. This has been all right, almost an inverse, backwards of what you would expect from Spider-Man. We're going to have him go out and be an Avenger and do some giant stuff in space. And then at the end of this, we're going to reset. And it's just going to be friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. All the
3: things Robbie didn't like about Homecoming have been addressed.
1: Yeah, Right. <laughs> correct. Um, You'll get your money when you fix this damn door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just think that's fantastic. It's wild the way they pulled it off. It's wild the way they made me simultaneously satisfied about the story arcs of three different Spider-Men.
3: We love simultaneous satisfaction, don't we, folks? (laughs) Yeah, we do.
1: Three different Spider-Man film arcs were handled with just a a fantastic (laughs) conclusion, two of which have been canceled for years and years and years and years, Mm -hmm. while still getting me excited for the future of one of them. Mm -hmm. So
3: I I, just an incredible trick. And uh, this seems like as good a time as any to mention it. Big shout out to Michael Giacchino for tying together the scores of all three yes. trilogies as well as including, by the way, his Doctor Strange theme, which he brings in, which yes. is great.
2: I love that theme.
3: Yeah, the Doctor Strange theme is wonderful, uh, and They're I love I love his Spider Man theme. But it was really great, you know, when you actually got a little bit of Doc Ock's theme before Doc Ock appears. You get a bit of the Goblin theme, and then we got a little bit of the Amazing Spider Man theme and the Danny Elfman. Sam Raimi Spider-Man theme Mm -hmm. uh, in a couple scenes here when they show up through the portals and then later on during the uh, the Statue of Liberty fight really cool yeah the two variant
4: Parkers convince the MCU Parker they need to work together to find cures for the villains okay I don't think Robbie, I don't think they're variants, and I know that we. I didn't have, know
1: what other word to use in the notes. I, I feel <laughs>
4: like variant is used too often now because yeah, I, think, I don't like variant. I, don't, I feel like what we've talked about is variant doesn't necessarily mean from another direction. It is a variant is a difference from that specific universe's version
1: of that person. Yeah,
3: it's a time. I I think timelines and universes and dimensions are all different. I think yeah. we talked about this a little bit recently.
1: Right. I don't have the brain capacity for this.
2: It's a lot. Basically, uh-huh. there's a bunch of Loki's, and then Loki. there's... and they try to keep it low key. And there's one uh, Sylvie, and they're not the
3: same. And there's one alligator.
1: <laughs>
3: and there's one alligator. So
1: it's not self cessed, or it is
3: self cessed?
2: It's not. Okay,
3: it is. She's Loki. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think calling them variants isn't great. I ju- I think that you can these... call them whatever you want. <laughs> My. I'm going to get getting back to sort of our understanding of what the multiverse is, uh, which is, again, something we'll be talking about in our next episode as well. But I think alternate universes and alternate timelines are different. And there are timeline splits and then there are other universes. And I think that when he who remains was killed and the timeline was able to branch off that unisolated the MCU timeline or universe from the Raimi universe, the web universe, whatever other universes were out there as well. Um, somehow, Palpatine returned. I don't know.
4: <laughs> well, either way, those two guys convince MCU Parker they need to work together to find cures for the villains. The three get together at a lab to perfect the cures. Over the course of the conversations, we learn that Maguire Parker and Mary Jane had a happy ending while Garfield Parker went through a period of not pulling his punches after the loss of Gwen. McGuire Parker marvels at the other two's web shooters, showing them his organic shooters. This was something we all wanted. I was so concerned they wouldn't touch on it, and they did it so well. Uh huh. He also reminds Holland Parker that they need to save everyone. The spider man travel to the Statue of Liberty, being remodeled to hold a Captain America shield, and call the Daily Bugle to lure the villains out, threatening them with pushing the button on the return spell. The three Spider-Men all bond over their different experiences and abilities. Maguire and Holland insist Garfield is cool, even if they fought a man in a rhino vehicle instead of ever fighting an alien. Sandman, Electro, and the lizard attack, and a massive battle begins with the three Spider-Men unable to coordinate their fighting. They regroup and work on a plan of working together and trusting their spider sense.
3: As one group, Oh, I want to just interject here. I love this when Tom Holland's Spider-Man is like, okay, I don't want to brag, but I was on the Avengers. (laughs) And Maguire is like, that's great. What are the Avengers? What is that? Were you in a band? (laughs) I think that was Garfield. Those you were in a band, right? Uh, So good. You don't
4: have those? As one group, they swing together in what is one of literally the coolest scenes I've ever seen in a movie, mm-hmm. through the moonlight and back into battle, where yeah. they all land they on swing the- swing off of each the, other's the, webs. They're webbing yeah. each other's webs. Yeah. 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 To like, I was,
1: slingshot, slingshot each other. Yeah. I was smiling so wide, it was like my face uh, hurt yeah. in that shot. Oh and, my God. And then the music they land, soaring in that mm-hmm. scene. They
4: land in order of
1: who came first, so it's Toby, Andrew, uh, and then Tom. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh-huh.
1: <sighs> also, this is the best collection- this is the best collection of Spider-Man action sequences that a film has ever had. Like the, the ways they use Spider-Man's powers just are so visually perfect compared to anything that's come before. Not on top of that, them playing off of each other.
3: I want to say also just, I think this is a nice little detail. I'm pretty sure all of their web shooters sound different because I think they use different sound effects in the other movies. Mm -hmm. So they each have their movies, web shooter sound effect.
0: Hmm.
4: Well, Maguire Man is able to remove Sandman's powers and tells Flint to hang on and they'll get him home. Electro, having found an arc reactor and adding it to his power, however, proves too strong and subdues all three Spider-Men. Dr. Octopus arrives and tells Electro he wants to be the one to finish them before surprising Dylan, removing the arc reactor and placing the device to remove his power back on, excuse me, disabling his electricity. Maguire, uh, McGuire, Parker, and Octavius get a moment of reuniting respectfully. Doctor Strange arrives, angry, but witnesses Peter's plan working as he manages to return the lizard to human. As Strange confronts the Spider-Men, the goblin arrives and destroys the spellbox. The explosion causes the scaffolding around the statue to collapse, and MJ falls towards the ground, with Holland manned, unable to save her. At the last second, Garfield jumps out to save MJ, manages to catch her with his arms, then safely uses a web to lower them both to the ground, redeeming his mistake in attempting to save Gwen. He emerges from the experience emotional and clearly more shaken than MJ. I think it's it's okay for us now to just talk about Andrew Garfield in this movie. Yeah. Because I think he steals the show in, in this last act in a really big way. I think lots of people have said that his take on Spider-Man was actually a pretty decent one, especially, in I think, in 2. Yeah, much better in 2 than in 1. Yes, I agree Mm -hmm. it was better in 2. And, you know, you could tell he does have, like, a love for the character. He loved playing the character. And there's probably a part of him, and I think he said this in interviews, that, like, regrets kind of everything that happened with that because he he loved that character and he wanted to play him so bad, you know? Uh, We're going to see a scene later here. And I'll bring this question up now since we are talking about Andrew Garfield. Later on in this movie, we get a post-credits scene. It's Venom sitting at a bar, kind of talking about what's happening and kind of getting the lowdown of like, all right, so what's happened in this world? What's happening here? Why am I here? Kind of a thing. And then at the end of it, he says an interesting line. He goes, maybe I'll go to New York and see if I can find Mm Spider-Man. And then he disappears back into his world.
2: I bet Spider-Man had something to do with this. (laughs) What do
4: you think the odds are that that Venom exists in the same universe as andrew garfield Spider Man.
3: i think sony wants you to be right uh, yeah i think that's really what they're gunning for
1: it, i think they would love to try andrew garfield again have venom there maybe they thought morbius but i'll bet they don't think that
3: anymore they uh, I, you know i really think that this is sony's chance to have their cake and eat it too they've rehabilitated the andrew garfield spider-man andrew garfield seems open to the right opportunity to play spider-man again uh, this way they can keep doing their Venom-verse with a Spider-Man, but they can also continue collaborating with Marvel Studios. And who knows, there there are opportunities for crossovers again in the future uh, for these characters. And maybe they will bring Venom along for the ride. I've said for a while we ended up not getting this in Thor, but I thought that it would have been an interesting opportunity to set up the MCU's versions of the symbiotes and maybe... Eventually, setting up a King and Black crossover that could be an MCU Venom crossover, uh, which they very well could still do, if they do end up doing a Secret Wars with different universes colliding and all of that, we could get Andrew Garfield back in the MCU for a spell, but also have him as the Spider-Man of that universe. You know, I think it's it's a possibility, and you know that way everybody wins. Sony keeps doing whatever the hell they want; they have their own Spider-Man. But they also continue to reap the benefits of their partnership with Marvel Studios that has been extremely fruitful for both of them.
1: Now, that said, I have no faith in that universe being good. Yeah. Like, I, I despite how great Andrew Garfield was here, I don't trust Sony to build something good around Andrew Garfield. Him yeah. not being the problem, Sony being the problem. Yeah.
3: I mean, as much as I will tell you, I loved Let There Be Carnage, but right. <laughs> I know I'm weird for that. Though. I mean,
1: if they made a hundred movies in this universe I do expect some of them to be good yeah
4: yeah I I know you know what I'm gonna push back on this a little bit mostly because I think Sony has a problem at conception not at actually making the movies I think Venom 1 was a was a weird thing I think they made a lot of really weird choices Uh Venom 2 seemed to put it a little bit more in a correct direction and I agree with Chris I actually really liked it Morbius was doomed to fail at conception yeah because they don't understand the character. And if they're going to do Spider-Man, I think they're going to have to find someone who understands
3: Spider-Man. I don't think they have a choice anymore. I would not be surprised though if they don't make a Spider-Man <sighs> movie if they just use Spider-Man in movies. If I would that makes I sense. would
1: love to see the next Venom movie to be Venom and the Spider-Man. I can see that. Yeah. What you were saying like Spider-Man exists but this isn't necessarily about Spider Man. Yeah. Right?
2: I don't really care which Spider Man Venom is going after. I just want more Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I love Tom Holland's Peter. I, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is still, at this point, my favorite, but.
3: There's no I love reason Andrew we Garfield. can't have both at this point, yeah, I, I think. I think audiences aren't as stupid as studio executives used to think they are. Right. You know, clearly they are. I mean, I you know we joked about the Flash earlier. That's going to have a couple different Batman in it, and neither one of them is the Batman that is in the movie The Batman. Right? <laughs> and no one is confused by that. No one is confused yep. by Joker existing when there are other Jokers in other movies. People understand that you can have a different take on a character. And not have it be like, oh, I'm confused. How, how, why, why did he fight the Riddler? Here, I thought Jim Carrey was the Riddler. You know, no one is that stupid. <laughs> so I think that they can have the two different Spider-Men and people will understand. And they'll make a bunch of money.
4: I agree. So Holland Man is able to bring the Goblin into the Fallen Shield and begins to beat him senseless as Osborn taunts him over the death of his aunt. And when I when this says beat him senseless, he's like beating the he's shit out of him
3: aiming to kill right yes i think and, and it, i don't think there's an yeah. i think he yeah.
2: later picks up the shield yeah. and is about to, and that's the thing is that yeah uh, it, it, the glider the glider
3: yeah hurts because earlier he's like all right I, i'm with you we got to cure him and toby is like even goblin even osborne oh do you know what we didn't mention in that scene though real quick mm-hmm. when Ned asks Toby, did you have a best friend? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He they died tease, in my arms.
1: They tease Goblin Ned so much in this movie. Like, it's, I don't know if it's intentional or I not. I promised
3: but never to turn into a supervillain and try to kill you. They <laughs> have to be doing
1: it on purpose, right? That uh, has thanks. to be on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I was so certain that Ned was going to be the hobgoblin in this movie. And then, then I'm watching the movie. I'm like, well, Ned's going to be the hobgoblin. And then, then they don't, which is fine. I'm not complaining mm-hmm. about it.
2: Ned's the magic
1: but goblin. But it's like they knew yeah. that I knew that and were messing with me.
3: Oh, yeah, imagine a take on the Hobgoblin that actually has some magic powers. That'd be cool. Hobgoblin with a sling ring?
1: Yeah.
2: Ooh. Yeah, he could make a real pumpkin come from somewhere. <laughs> what, yeah. you, what is the pumpkin doing? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You know what it's doing. Also um, in this moment, something <laughs> have I forgot. It's a good time.
1: Like, we're, we were talking about the death of Aunt May being emotional, and we talk about this bru- beating being br- brutal. There's an extra level to this where, like, he was helping norman because aunt may insisted on it because yeah. aunt may was so insistent on you need to help this man and then that man killed her like I, there's so many layers to the brutality and the mm-hmm. emotion of what's going on in this story but also i don't know if it's intentional or not but the the, the beat down in this feels very much reminiscent of spider-man beating up the, the green goblin after the death of gwen stacy which was a very 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 for that point in history brutal spider-man attack on a villain
3: i'm sure it was at least in the back of their minds when they were planning it so holland
4: parker finally picks up the glider intending to kill his aunt's murderer but mcguire man stops him reminding him they have to save everyone the goblin stabs mcguire but as he laughs, garfield gives holland the cure which he injects into osborne's neck as the goblin leaves and the Osborne returns. He expresses, I don't know why I wrote the in there. I, I, did, I put the in there. Robbie didn't write that. The I Osborne. Just, the I just Osborne. put the Osborne. The Osborne spectacle
1: of returning to reality. <laughs>
2: <laughs> university. What? The university. Oh, right. We
1: don't do that here.
2: Nope. Osborne does. <laughs> Osborne. Osborne is a bad guy. Yeah. Okay.
4: Expresses exactly. remorse at attacking his universe as Parker, asking. What have I done? (laughs) I thought you were going to say it's (laughs) university. (laughs) Though Peter says, I've been stabbed lots of times. Dylan meets Garfield Parker and tells him one of these universes must have a black Spider-Man. That made a lot of us happy too. I thought that was very funny and also true because where's Miles? The villains are defeated, but rifts open up in the sky as Spider-Man villains across the multiverse appear.
1: Did anyone happen to keep track of
3: which villains show up? Definitely Craven. I yes. think there was a Scorpion in it's there. Craven
4: and Scorpion are the two
3: that I saw. I also yeah. saw Rhino. Yes, oh, cool. yes, I remember Rhino.
4: The villains are defeated, but rifts open up in the sky as Spider-Man villains across the multiverse appear, and Strange tells Parker he can't stop them. Parker tells Strange to make the world forget Peter Parker exists. Doctor Strange says that would work, though he's remorseful of it. Tells Peter to call him Stephen and to say goodbye to his friends. Peter tells MJ and Ned what's about to happen, but that he'll come find them as MJ and Peter tearfully say goodbye. Strange conducts the spell, and the villains and the other two Spider-Men all disappear.
3: So at this point, I will admit that I was getting a little nervous about how they were handling the story. You
4: think that he would have just reset it afterwards?
3: I, I was afraid because... There was really no indication. Well, this is after Sony and Marvel had already broken up once, and then granted, they had uh, announced even before that they wanted to make another trilogy with Tom Holland working together. But we had all uh, there had been a lot of speculation that they were going to use this as like a cosmic reset button to retcon Spider-Man out of the MCU completely. Uh, and I was like, I really hope this isn't what's happening. Oof. And Ooh. they did a very good job of demonstrating that that was not what was happening yeah. by the end of this movie. And I'm really glad they did that. Yeah. And we got further confirmation of my, because my, I remember people were really confused about it. And granted, a lot of it is confusing. Like, does this mean that all of his records have disappeared? Whatever. I know there's a lot of question about that. And that's, you know, they, the filmmakers even said, and that's a problem for the next movie makers because that doesn't matter to the emotional uh, st- stakes of this ending. And I think they made the right choice there. But later we see Peter and Happy together, and Happy remembers working with Spider Man and that that's how he knew Aunt May. And then in Doctor Strange, in the Multiverse of Madness, we even get Doctor Strange talking about Spider Man. So. My interpretation, leaving the movie, which has now basically been confirmed, is that all the Avengers and everybody remember Spider-Man. They remember working with Spider-Man. Spider-Man was there during Infinity War and Endgame. He helped save the universe, but they don't know who's behind the mask, and that's perfect. One day he's going to
2: meet uh, one of the Avengers, and they're going to be like, why don't we know your name? And it's going to be sad. Yeah. So, speaking of confusing, though, now that everyone's poofing back to their universe, this goes back to... The the conundrum that I stated earlier about is this timelines or is this universes? Because if all of these people go back and they're cured, are we assuming that they just go back to being evil and the same things happen as normal I thought or the not? Point was
1: that they don't go back? I to being think evil. I yeah. agree.
2: I think that's the point too. And uh, if that is the case, wouldn't that change the future of the two Spidermen? Because I would because Gwen's probably not going to die because they're probably not going to have an electro fight uh, at the power plant. Uh, plenty of things aren't going to happen to Toby Maguire if Green Goblin stops being Green Goblin. Uh, like Lots of things would Francis, not happen.
3: I will choose to believe that they all got sent back to the same point in time. So yeah. Norman had died now he's back and gets a new lease on life yes this Andrew Otto does died everything that happened in those movies mm-hmm. still happened but now they're going back to the all the villains are going back to the present with their spider-man to their respective presence and can live a new life from that point on forward i interpret it as hmm.
1: this andrew doesn't get his gwen back but some other andrew doesn't lose his gwen
2: well that works too some other andrew why because they came from different points branching timeline mm-hmm well, then it is timelines, and it's not universes. Well, timelines within that they're universe. D- they're not
4: mutually exclusive. I, mm-hmm. it's, I, this it's universe has branching timelines.
3: Of
1: all the things that give me problems, this is actually one that doesn't.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I'm just curious. I like, just assume a happy ending and roll with it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just think it adds a layer of complexity. I don't know. Again, still love the movie. It right. doesn't ruin anything for me. It's right. just like a, huh, wonder how that works. Right.
1: I no, I agree with you.
2: Better not think about it. <laughs> Which but one he, is I, the
1: one where the hero fails? Only Chris gets that, and he was distracted. Wait, which one? Oh, we don't talk about fa- that okay.
3: timeline. That's, that's unnecessary.
1: <laughs> it is unnecessary. Okay, keep going.
4: In the world after the spell, J. Jonah Jameson continues to slander Spider-Man, but does not know his alter ego. Peter goes to the cafe where MJ works and finds out she and Ned got into MIT, and he reluctantly decides to leave them alone instead of tell them everything.
3: But they have that nice little moment. They do. E and MJ. That was rough. It's tough. Oh, it's, yeah. It's rough, But That was another one of those
2: moments where I was like, <laughs> he'll tell her this time, right? Like, he'll, <laughs> he promised he would.
4: Later, he visits Aunt May's grave, where he meets Happy Hogan, who does not know who he is. And in the final scene, Spider-Man, in a new handmade costume, uses a police scanner to listen for criminal activity and
1: swings into action. protect New York. I need to see more of that costume.
3: Oh my gosh, it is the most comic accurate costume we've ever gotten. It looks so good. Of the classic Spider-Man costume. Was
2: that a fabric from any specific thing that happened? I I couldn't decide if it was like, did I
3: miss something? I think so. No, I think he just got some fabric and made a costume. Okay, that's fine. I just (laughs)
2: thought, for a second, I was like, was that like something from Aunt May? No, the
3: sewing machine was Aunt May's. Yeah. Okay.
4: We then get our mid-credits scene. Eddie and Brock... Eddie Brock and Venom find Eddie out about <laughs> I know, find out about the Avengers. Eddie
2: from Stranger Things and Brock the Pokemon gym leader.
3: That's true. <laughs> I use my frying pan as a drying pan, <laughs> <laughs> and he makes uh, those jelly donuts. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Another great example of weird uh, localization of Japanese food into American food for no good reason. It's uh, supposed
4: to be uh, onigiri, right? Yeah. Uh, so Eddie Brock and Venom find out about the Avengers from a bartender before being pulled back into their own universe. However, a small speck of Venom symbiote is left behind and, the star- and starts to move.
3: Um, I did just enjoy getting Venom going, we are drunk, Eddie. <laughs> post-credits
4: is literally just a trailer for Multiverse of Madness. Yep, not worth discussing. It is incredible, now that I think about it, that that was the post credit scene for this movie.
3: Uh yeah. We don't need tra- like. <laughs> I don't like it when they use it. Do a trailer instead of either. A yes, either scene. don't.
2: If you can't have anything else, just don't put anything else. You know, you don't need two. We would have been fine with the one post credits. I don't need your damn trailer.
1: I like it even less than. I also am not a big fan of like pulling just literally pulling a scene from an upcoming movie. Yeah. Like the I know a guy at the end of Ant Man. Mm-hmm. That I don't like. This is even worse. This is just a trailer.
3: Yeah. This is what they did at the end of Captain America when they did a yeah. trailer for Avengers. Yes. Don't love it.
2: Which makes me think did they cuz they've only done that twice now and pastime. I yeah, right? <laughs> I they know. they hit it on the money when they did it for Avengers where we were like hype at that moment about Avengers. Now in hindsight, I don't need a trailer. Give me something else yeah, or I give me nothing. I skip that every
3: time I watch Captain America. Right. I don't watch that scene. But
2: at the time, we were probably all like, holy shit, Avengers. Hmm. So does that mean that they expected us to be like, holy shit, Doctor Strange of the Multiverse
3: like, of Madness? Like, it was exciting because we hadn't actually seen anything from Multiverse of Madness yet. And it was exciting hearing him mention Westview and all that. But, yeah, it just I, I would have rather it had just been like a little scene hinting at I I think there is a lot a lot that got changed in the development of this movie because of movie schedules changing yes because if you recall Multiverse of Madness was supposed to release before this movie yep yeah uh, America Chavez was supposed to be a character in this and would probably have been how they did the universe hopping I'm actually glad it didn't turn out that way uh, I don't think we would have needed another character involved and just having a oh, dr Strange's spell goes wrong I think works just as well if yeah. not better than bringing in a character that can hop between universes
1: yeah i assume it was just a, an aspect of phase four getting kind of jumbled and this is the best we can do right now
3: yeah yeah they could have they could have just showed the scene of strange talking to wanda and yeah it would have been a scene from another movie but it would have had us going, ooh, I yeah, wonder. Yeah, I
1: actually think that's better. And that's what I thought was happening. Yeah. And then it became a trailer, and it felt like this is not an end credit scene. This is a trailer.
3: Yeah, and it was cool seeing Shuma Garoth and everything. But, yeah. you know, they also then just gave us a trailer like two weeks later. So how do we think this fits into the MCU? Well, I mean, it sets up Spider-Man right. uh, go, like his new status quo going yeah, forward. Yeah, I
1: think it does more to set up the Sony cinematic universe. Than yeah, <laughs> <yes>. Weirdly. <laughs> yes. Weirdly, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how Spider-Man fits, I assume. They still want to use him in team up movies, but yeah. they're definitely changing to where he is not Iron Spider going to space and saving the day with it. So
3: yeah, and oh, I mean, leaving a symbiote, uh, a piece of the Venom symbiote in the MCU is interesting. Yes, it's going to be interesting. Like how much of that bit of symbiote retains that Venoms
4: retains Eddie. Eddie
3: yeah like any of that hmm. uh is this is he gonna go to try to find Spider-Man are we gonna get a black suit Spider-Man is he gonna find Flash Thompson is I'm... he gonna be looking for this universe's Eddie Brock who knows oh my so god universe even have an Eddie Brock I watch wouldn't...
2: us see that actor in like the next year or so get like absolutely ripped <laughs> yeah. oh the guy who played Flash that yeah. was part
1: of why I thought Ned was going to be the hobgoblin was because he got ripped it's
2: did he get ripped or did he just lose some he, weight he lost
4: a bunch of weight yeah He's also, like, he's old. He's not young like the yeah. other two. Yeah, I he's, think like he's older that, than the other He's one
2: of those too. Andy Milanakis people. Yeah. Where, like, you look at them, and you're like, oh, they're, like, 18. No, they're 40. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck are you... What yeah. is in the water you're drinking, man? <laughs> Found the fountain of youth? Yeah.
4: MVPs. I'm going to start. And this was really tough because I I really wanted to give it to Willem Dafoe for what he was doing at the early parts of this movie but that third act is something special and it wouldn't be nearly as special if it wasn't for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. So my mind goes to Andrew Garfield. What about you, Peach?
2: Yeah, it's it is tough. I I don't want to just like nonchalantly be like, "Yep, it's Andrew Garfield." Even though I agree. Yep, it's Andrew Garfield because like everyone in this movie did a great job. Mm-hmm. Everybody's performances are very convincing and very you know, they're all, they're every emotion that you need, right? They're sad, they're happy, they're fun, they're, you know, tragic. Like, everyone does a great job. It's just, I don't know, something about, I think it's the combination of Andrew Garfield, A, being great, B, kind of getting that little redemption that we talked about. Like, you guys know that I'm not bad, right? Like, I was good at this. You should give me more credit. Obviously, he doesn't say that. Like, Toby Maguire is speaking like as the audience, yes. right? Like no, you were great. Shut up. And I think like and him getting the redemption uh for Gwen, like all of that kind of rolled into one. It's hard for me to pick anyone else just because he did such a great job plus I love everything that happened with him in the movie. So, I'm also giving it to Garfield man. <laughs> Garfield. With Garfield. The cat? He loves lasagna. Did you know that? <laughs> Uh, Chris,
0: Zag.
3: Which, uh, which person? Spider Man, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this, Spiderman. I, I had to think hard about this because there are excellent performances throughout. This is Tom Holland's best work, absolutely, yeah. as, as Peter yes. Parker. Absolutely, and I, I'm not trying to take anything away when I give this to somebody else because he's fantastic in this. He He gets to explore depth and range that he has not up to this point while still you know, being the Peter Parker that we've grown to love throughout the, all the MCU movies that he's appeared in. That being said, oh, and, and Willem Dafoe and Alvin Molina as well. I, I just got to throw a yeah. shout out to him because I've always loved his Doc Ock and it was just wonderful to have that back. But I have to give it to Andrew Garfield because he had such an uphill battle when you think about it. Yep. And the fact that he kind of steals the movie, but not in a bad way, and the fact that one of the most emotional moments in this film is paying off something from a movie that is generally not well remembered by people and it works and it works so well but doesn't overshadow all the other emotional beats of this movie doesn't feel like the movie is like being putting everything on hold to wrap up something from the amazing spider-man movies uh just just great and he is an actor And we've talked about this before, who, when he's on screen, you just want to pay attention to him. What is he doing? And he's like that in everything he is in. Uh, And it was just great having him in this movie doing that. Uh, So, yeah, I got to give it to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. How about you, Robbie? Aunt May was fantastic Mm. and
1: important to the film. She gets an honorable mention. Green Goblin, we talked about, he was great. He gets an honorable mention. However, this is going to be the rare unanimous squad up MVP because I also that agree that it is Andrew Garfield Spider-Man um, for we all can... the reasons y'all say
2: Robbie heard us him, himself in confusion <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's absolutely the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man for all the reasons y'all say because of how fantastic Andrew Garfield's performance is but he's what makes this work because they didn't just say let's take these elements from the popular Spider-Man movies and let's just They said, you know, let's make this about all of these franchises and let's go ahead and acknowledge the things about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man films, the things that worked and the things that didn't work. And they play on the things that didn't work. And that's where a lot of this movie's humor comes from is electric eels and rhino suits. You gotta watch (laughs) it fall into. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And it's where some of the movie's emotion comes from in his redemption. And they're you know, exactly what Peaches said, Tobey Maguire serves as kind of the audience to say, you know, no, 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 don't, don't take it personally that you didn't have the, you know, in theirs, going to space and finding aliens success and ours, financial and, and uh, critical success. You know, there's a lot of, you know, hey, we love you anyway, welcome to the Spider-Man universe here. And that is what, to me, makes this movie work as well as it does. There's a lot of what makes this movie work, but the 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 real linchpin is including the andrew garfield universe and on top of that andrew garfield does a fantastic performance so there are several reasons that like as much as much greatness as there was in this film the mvp was like a two-second thought process for me it's an obvious choice yeah you also have to
4: think when they needed one of the two spider-men to do literally anything they used andrew Mm -hmm. because they kind of understood tommy mcguire is great don't get me wrong Tobey Maguire is not the actor that Andrew Garfield yes. is. Mm. Tobey Maguire has a sort of a limited range in some ways. He's mm-hmm. definitely—it's clear—he hasn't acted in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's good in that mentor role. When they when Spider-Man first came out and they needed like a scene with Spider-Man and Ned and MJ to sort of show prove that he's Spider-Man, they used Andrew. Andrew was in there. He was the one yes. doing that. Mm-hmm. When the two Spider-Men uh, were talking about how they had lost their loves, he talks about how he lost Uncle Ben. He talks about how he lost uh, Gwen. It is then Andrew Garfield Spider-Man that gives the monologue yes. about how he stopped pulling his punches, and he gives that impassioned speech. When it came time to do an emotional kind of wrap-up moment for a character, even though it makes sense because Tobey Maguire got a lot of his emotional wrap-up in Spider-Man Three, Andrew Maguire, Andrew Maguire, Andrew Garfield was chosen once again. They chose Andrew Garfield for a reason, and it's because he's just so infectious in this
1: movie. He's so good. Ratings. Robbie, we're going to start with you. What did you rate Spider-Man? No Way Home. This one was really hard because I was close to giving it a little bit higher than this, but I decided I could not give it the perfect rating because there is a perfect Spider-Man movie. Uh, So this one just got 9.5, just got 9.5
3: cool youth pastors out of 10. Chris? I gave it nine point five really good lawyers out of ten. I just, you oh, God, I love this movie so much, and it worked. It still it holds up. We all wanted really good lawyers. I got to the notes first. I know you That's did. The, uh, the benefit of making this the the group. I'm, I'm <laughs>
2: salty about it, but
3: I respect the game. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Peaches? What what did
2: you give it? <laughs> if you couldn't give it really good lawyers? Oh, Uh yeah. I I almost gave it a nine point five like you guys did. And then I guess I, I I sort of fibbed because the like confusion about the plot did make me bring it down to a nine. But a nine Ouch. still puts it in the top five. How dare right? you? Yeah, right. So I don't think that's really bad at all. I still supremely- This is IGN with Twilight Princess all over again. I supremely enjoyed myself watching this movie the first time, the second time. A lot of scenes still made me giddy. And I will watch it again happily over and over and over. So, nine tree monsters out of ten.
0: Oh, tree monsters. Although that's it might one.
2: just be a regular tree. Eduardo? Oh.
0: Uh,
4: I'm going to give it nine uh, tree monsters. Nope, that's what you said. <laughs> that's me. I was going to give it nine. I'm sorry. I'm a little flabbergasted right now uh, to what I just read. Uh, I'm giving it nine. Where else does that web come out of out of ten? So, how do we think? Nope. Ratings, Robbie. Nope. MCU rankings. MCU rankings. <laughs> <laughs> Rob or Peach. We're gonna start with you. Where does get this get together, in your MCU man? Ranking? I'm sorry. I am. I don't Everybody, bl- I put don't blame your him. phones
2: down. I don't blame him. That's fucking cool. Everybody, put your phones down. Let's finish this. Okay. So I'm not gonna do the whole list because we're at lots of movies at this point. Um, but with a nine, it actually squeaks into the top four for me so it is four on my list now I will say and Eduardo you've talked about this before too I almost want to do the retrospective of the retrospective because I'm looking at this and my list still has Winter Soldier at uh, five and I really don't think at this point that Winter Soldier is my fifth favorite in all of the MCU movies but I could be wrong I don't know so it goes Endgame Infinity War Avengers and then Spider-Man No Way Home And then Winter Soldier. Now, Spider Man Homecoming's not in the top five. And I'm, see, I just think it should still be there. Well, it can't. Well, there's only five. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, But that's where it is. It sits pretty cozily at the top. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll hold up. Maybe it won't. But right now, it is holding up, baby.
1: Nice.
2: Robbie? This was so close to being my top
1: MCU movie. And honestly, from a pure emotional fanboy standpoint, it might actually be the one that's the most important to me. Uh, But in my rankings, it ends up being a salty third uh, behind Infinity War and Endgame, and that's it. Also, Peach, to your point, I've already revisited mine. I had dropped Captain Marvel several spots from where I originally had it, so I've already done my own little retrospective. How about you, Eduardo?
4: Yeah, I've got it pretty high up as well. I think it is in my top five. It is. So I've got Black Panther, Shang-Chi, Endgame, No Way Home, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it seems like an eclectic list, but I do like some of these more self-contained stories, although Endgame and No Way Home are almost too big to ignore yeah. <laughs> as far as like spectacle is concerned. Chris, what about you?
3: Uh, it's coming in at number three for me. Endgame, Infinity War, No Way Home, uh, and then Ragnarok and volume two.
1: We have the same top three, just flipping one and two.
4: All right. So let's do some Spider-Man rankings. Chris, where does this rank on your
3: list of Spider-Man movies? Um, for me, it comes in right behind Spider Verse, and honestly, on any given day, it's almost a coin flip. I love them both immensely. How about you, Eduardo?
4: I have it just passed into the Spider Verse. To me, Into the Spider Verse is a as close to a perfect film uh, as one can get. That mm. movie can do no wrong in my eyes, and it's going to be really, really difficult for another movie to take yeah its pl- uh, Maybe perhaps the sec the sequel, uh, but just past it is going to be No Way Home. I think No Way Home is incredible, and it is, like I said, a spectacle, and it is really difficult to not put really, really high up. Yeah, Robbie,
1: uh, Honestly, really the same feelings, and that was I actually spent a long time reflecting on do I like this or Into the Spider-Verse more? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized... I am comfortable that I like Into the Spider-Verse more. I just don't like it much more. So sort of a a strictly superior but not vastly superior situation. And that was where the 9.5 came from because Into the Spider-Verse was a 10. So my Spider-Man rankings are Into the Spider-Verse, No Way Home, Far From Home, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1, Homecoming, Spider-Man 3, and Amazing Spider-Man. And I haven't finished Amazing Spider-Man 2, but the first half of it would be in the middle of that list.
0: Peach. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything different to say here. Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man. Both of these movies have a multiverse component, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did it the best. There's, I have no complaints about that movie and probably never will. It is in my... I don't know what movies, music, shows, whatever it is you guys have in your... I feel like shit. I need to watch this thing. Yes. That is in that yep. that is in yep. that bucket. In I, the Spider-Verse
1: is one of my I, I need to watch this movie again movies. Yes.
2: I need to feel good feelings. Yep. I watch into the Spider-Verse. So Star
1: Wars, Lord of the Rings into the Spider-Verse. It's there. And wow. then I
2: just want to read the rest of this because I reread I reread this earlier and I was like, "Oh yeah, I did feel this way because it's Spider-Verse No Way Home, Homecoming, Then Far From Home." So we've got like All the MCU out of the way, and then it goes Amazing Spider-Man 2 because it was a fucking bop. It was great. Uh, It was a 7.5 for me, but that's great. And then Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 3, and Spider-Man, the original. Weekly
4: recommendations. Oh, yeah. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Before we go, who's got something they would like to recommend to our listeners to get through their week?
3: I have a recommendation. Actually, I actually have two brief recommendations. One is actually related to today's episode. If you have not yet watched, and, and maybe this movie isn't going to be for everybody, but on Netflix, Tick, Tick, Boom uh, mm-hmm. came out last year, and it is a musical, Uh musical by Jonathan Larson, it's the late-
4: based off of the guy that wrote the musical that became a movie.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, the producers?
3: <laughs> no. It's- It is a musical written by Jonathan Larson, uh, adapted to the screen. Jonathan Larson wrote Rent. This is nepotism. And no, uh, it's spelled differently. Um, (laughs) But Andrew Garfield plays Jonathan Larson in it uh, because it is an autobiographical musical. Uh, Jonathan Larson died actually shortly before, like the night, like a week before Rent actually premiered. Um, So, you know, his life was tragically cut short. Rent is a classic. I have mixed feelings about Rent. I loved Tick Tick Boom. Andrew Garfield. Absolutely incredible in this film. Lin-Manuel Miranda directed it in his uh, directorial debut uh, and does a very good job of directing a movie. Uh, It's not like a staged musical. It is directed like a movie, but it is a musical. And Andrew Garfield learned how to sing for it. And he was nominated for an Oscar. Um, he lost to a guy that hit Chris Rock, um, which made things awkward. Um, <laughs> the way that he said
2: that was peak comedy. That's, so <laughs> That's all funny. he's known for. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. Um, wild. Wow. But
3: Andrew Garfield is phenomenal in this film. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you like musicals, even if you don't like musicals, maybe give it a chance uh, just for his performance because it's incredible. My other recommendation is complete opposite end of the spectrum. Here, um, had a couple late nights this week where I couldn't get to sleep, and I ended up watching some TV. And I decided to return to something that I used to watch when I was in middle school. Um, I would stay up late on Friday nights and watch watch a certain show. Uh, and I was always a little tired, and it about always that made me static
2: laugh. channel after eleven. No, I am talking, talking about with the green boob. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Shut up. Um, I would watch Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> on Cartoon Network. This is before Adult Swim even existed. It used to come on 11 o'clock on Friday nights.
1: That was my Friday night, too. Yeah. I was falling asleep to Space Ghost.
3: And most of it, not the entire series, or are a few episodes missing here and there, but most of it is on HBO Max. And I've been back and watching it late at night, just like I used to. And again, maybe it's just because I'm tired. But it's just as funny as I remember it I'm still laughing out loud It is very weird, very strange If you don't know the premise, Space Ghost Was a superhero Cartoon, a Hanna-Barbera Superhero cartoon in the 60s uh, One of those overly dramatic Not overly animated <laughs> Shows uh, And in the 90s it was reborn As a talk show uh, Mostly using just the old Animation put into different <laughs> things so they reused the same animation throughout all the episodes. Um he is this insane talk show host and they would interview actual people and then they would just take those interviews and then just write a script for the show around it so that it was just completely out there.
1: And the interview did not match the actual interview would see they would ask them weird questions, then animate and record different Completely different to, questions. To interview yeah. and get those questions. So
3: it looked like they're actually participating in whatever weird story is going on. So Space Ghost is the host. His archenemy, Zorak, who is a giant mantis, is the band leader. Um, Moltar, who was this weird guy like in a big metal suit, used to host Toonami uh, before Tom took over, uh, is the director. And they're always giving him crap. And some of his other villains show up over certain episodes like brack and the rest of the council of doom low car low car yes um and it is just so funny but so weird and it's a show that i'm gonna recommend and you are gonna go and watch it and you're gonna be like what the hell is wrong with you chris (laughs) but trust me and and it's a show that you know kind of starts off it starts off weird uh, and then like the humor evolves as the seasons progress uh i'm gonna throw out a couple episodes that are worth watching. The one that I watched because it's my favorite episode, might even be the first episode I ever saw, I think it was in the sixth season, it's called King Dead, which is because the first syllable of what he was saying gets cut off. Um, The episode starts with him going, King Dead, if you don't let me in. uh, Because he's (laughs) locked (laughs) out.
0: Um
3: Zorak and Moltar have locked him out. Uh, he's supposed to be interviewing H. John Benjamin. Zorak and Moltar leave to start a band. Uh, so he makes Brack be the band leader. They break into Space Ghost's apartment. He goes in and they're hiding her lampshade. He's like, this isn't my apartment these lamps have feet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. They brought H. John Benjamin there. By the way, the
3: the guest is always just like lowered on a television screen. (laughs) So they brought the TV with them to his apartment. (laughs) It's really good. Watch that. There's an episode called Banjo, um, which Weird Al Yankovic is the guest. Yes. He was the first guest who ever requested to be on the show. It's about space ghosts uh, sea Monkey getting yes. mutated. Yes. Banjo! Yes. Why do we hurt the ones we love? <laughs> watch that. Bat Mantis is great. It has a lot of the cast of the 60s Batman epi- uh, or uh, TV series. Uh, with <laughs> I forget if it's Lee Merriweather or Julie Newmar, but Zorak is upset that it's not the other Catwoman that's there. I don't know. So these are all good episodes to watch. Yeah. Um, They're all, it's just absurd humor, but I have really enjoyed revisiting those. Uh, Who else has a recommendation? (laughs)
4: I'll go next. So I just wanted to recommend another board game. I talked to, I guess, not another board game because this is a different episode. So I'm going to recommend a board game and I want to recommend Dice Forge. Dice Forge is my favorite game. It is a game where you take these dice that have Little tiles that you can replace each side with. And you basically, as you are playing the game, you customize your own dice to do whatever strategy you want to do throughout the game. It is Greek god themed, so it's got a lot of really good art. It's very different from lots of games that I have ever played. It is this dice resource gathering engine builder type thing, but also kind of different from a lot of that stuff. It like separates itself really well. Also, and this is a top tier point here. The box is the most uh, satisfying box to uh, to put away as far as board games yeah, are that concerned. I agree with. Because uh-huh. literally everything has a place in the box. It Everyone is that makes incredible.
2: board games, take notes on the Dice Forge box. I agree. Please.
4: It's incredible. Who else has got a recommendation? Uh, I'll go because
2: he's going to recommend the venture bros.
1: (laughs) I'm going to back up. (laughs) I'm going to back up Chris's recommendation because Space Ghost Coast to Coast is hilarious humor. Um, And it had long reaching impact as well because that sort of that use of the Hanna-Barbera animation is where Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law came from, which you should watch. It's where
3: the Brack Show, C-Lab 2021, uh,
1: uh, which you should also watch. And sort of the culture around those Hanna Barbera recognitions also resulted in something I'm going to recommend, which is another adult swim cartoon, The Venture Brothers. Really, we haven't watched that, that up before. <laughs> wow,
4: Rob, uh, you're talking about The Venture Brothers. My no other record.
3: Take a shot. I knew that was going to happen when <laughs> I brought it. <laughs> I knew I planned space. I like Tuesday. I was like, oh, I'm going to recommend Space Ghost this week. I'm like. And Robbie's going to say Venture Brothers. Yeah,
2: I just your wife this situation. (laughs) And
1: my unique recommendation is going to be a couple (laughs) video games on opposite ends of the spectrum, both of which I've played quite a bit of this week um, when I've had time. Uh, But if you have time, you should play them. Uh, One is going to be the DLC for Cuphead just came out. If you want some more bosses to make you angry, if you've never played Cuphead, it is an incredibly painful boss rush game with uh, absolutely perfect art uh, delivery and music. Um, but it is quite difficult, but very fun. Um, and if you don't want difficult, uh, a lot of people are talking about this. But I back them up on Play Stray. Uh, it is a uh, post-apocalyptic, futuristic game where you play as a cat. Um, fairly chill game. There is some. There is some danger. There is some uh, very, very limited combat. But for the most part, you're just a cat existing. Cat combat. Yes. Uh, for the most part, you're just existing in this world, Meow. trying to solve puzzles. Um, puzzles that are not. Super heady are, are more like, think of like a Zelda dungeon kind of level of puzzle. Like more, it's not hard. You got to think about it for a few seconds and it's really satisfying. Um, that sort of uh, management system. Uh, very, very fun. And it's also just got a lot of features that are unnecessary, but just make the... Playing as a cat, satisfying like being able to rub on people's legs, being able to scratch walls and, and and furniture,
4: knock shit over, being
1: able to knock shit over. Yeah, there occasionally for puzzles you have to knock things off of ledges, but it doesn't. You don't knock it off. The cat like pause it gently <laughs> and, and doesn't look at it as it gently pause it off the side of the and then that classic solve cat. the puzzle. And then there's a dedicated meow button, just like the dedicated hawk button in Untitled Goose yeah. Game. Yeah. Um. Honestly, visually stunning. Great soundtrack. Uh, I think it's I only recommend? like a like a five hour game or so. It's it's a bite sized game, but extremely approachable and just it is a great example of video games can be both fun and artistic, uh, and one that I will I highly recommend because it's not going to take much of your life to play.
2: Did we ever recommend in- Untitled Goose Game? I'll oh. save that for a different day. Okay, but okay now I now everyone knows I recommend. Listen, take I don't... a
1: shot every time that Peaches recommends Untitled Do- Goose Game. Yeah, you get Hold
2: one. On. You know, I haven't. I've had a very stressful week, so I haven't done anything new. Really, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I've been having fun playing a Disney mobile game. Go for it! I've been playing the Disney Mirrorverse game. Okay. Which is free and it's basically the Disney coat of paint over Raid Shadow Legend. Raid okay. Shadow Legends. Let's play Disney Mirrorverse. Yeah. It, like it's it's kind of mindless it just takes up time while i'm waiting for things to load but it's kind of it's kind of neat because you have all these disney characters that they've kind of put into an rpg and so they've slightly changed all of their costumes to kind of look like they are in this like fantasy dungeon crawler setting and so some of them look really cool others look really awkward because like wally doesn't look like that you know <laughs> uh, um but I mean, it's it's fine. It's fun. I if you if you need a mobile game to play and and you like Disney at all, I mean, you know, go for it. But like, literally, they just put Wally in the game, and they have different classes. Wally is a tank, and he's super awkward looking because I think to make him look like a tank, they gave his body and his arms like a bigger Wally. <laughs> like he's just his body is more robot and his arms are bigger but they kept his head the same size so he almost looks like beetlejuice at the end of beetlejuice (laughs) after he gets the shrunken head powder (laughs) like it's super weird um I, i mean it's been fun what i actually recommend is um being becoming a patron because we're doing our bonus episodes now. That's
4: a good recommendation. If you want to do that, you can do so over at patreon.com slash assembly required. Join our Patreon-exclusive Discord. Maybe become an Avenger like the great Avengers we have, uh, Brian, Riley, Michael, and Adrian. We really love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, If you wanted to email the show, you can do so. AssemblyRequiredCast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at AssemblyCast. You can follow some of us, me, for example, at ADBCD (laughs) one Robbie over here can be followed at PhilKid3. But that's going to do it for myself, for Robbie, for Chris, and for Peaches. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody.
3: Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Bubbly Bubbly. is very autobiographical. This is the cuteness
4: of
2: the girl versus how interested I am in hearing about how intuitive her cat is. You well, see, the cuter the girl is, the more I'm willing to hear about the cat. Oh, really? Yeah, he's very intuitive. But you'll notice at a certain point, I don't care how cute you are.
4: I don't want to hear about your cat anymore. I hate your cat. When you leave the room, I try to get it.